0: At the party.
1: Text at the party. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 59 of the PDH pod, the one and only Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Pauper Commander format. I am your host Brad Drack V. Uh, Dave is off this week. He's a uh, gallivanting somewhere around the around the world around the country i'm not actually sure so let's see what my singular co-host from the east coast is up to liam the pdh phd what's going on how was the uh the big birthday
2: yeah uh it was great so for those who aren't in our discord uh just turned the big two one yesterday Um, two one for those crazy (laughs) for, for for those who uh didn't realize yeah yeah i'm 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 that young. Um, yep, he's a he's a young. I make I make Brad and Dave feel old all the time. <laughs> so so old. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, it was good. It was good. Uh, this morning was a little rough, but nothing I can't I couldn't get through to record. Sure. Yeah. It wasn't that bad. That, I, I had people telling I had people dedicated. telling me last night they were like, "Oh, you're gonna be like so messed up tomorrow morning." I'm like, ah, I don't think I am. I have I have eaten enough potatoes and drank enough water that I think <laughs> I will be fine." And yeah. I was
1: so yeah sometimes the uh the worst part of a birthday
2: party are the people around you i, I wouldn't even yeah. say it was the worst part it was it was just they were like make sure you're doing this i'm like i know <laughs> yeah i i but know what it shows need to they do. care
1: yep <laughs> yeah
2: it was it was great it was a good time awesome sounds
1: like a good time so all right we got some cards to talk about but yeah, we, we got to do some housekeeping first so as usual, if you like the show and you like you like what we're doing here, and you want to support us a little bit, check us out over on Patreon at patreon.com/slash/thePDHPod. I am not a professional podcaster because I forgot to give a shout out last week to our newest patron, Von Schiller. I've been talking to Von for quite a while on. The site formerly known as Twitter, Uh, back in my 60 card popper days, PDH days, all that kind of stuff. So he's a great brewer, interesting brewer, makes very creative decks. He's working on a pretty killer uh, popper cube as well. So uh, join Von Schiller and you can get access to the pre-show right there on Patreon. It's posted just for just for y'all. And um, it was just usually like a little bit of a uh, sort of a bonus episode every week, if you will. You also get access to the show notes that I put there. You can follow along with the episode as I post it live, usually the night before Thursday night, something like, like that the night before it goes out to the general public. And then finally, you get access to the PDH Pod Discord, where patrons get their own super secret channels. You can also chat with us, chat with the crew, get help with your deck, and you can talk to me and Von Schiller and probably like two others that uh, about cards that are older than Liam. Yeah. So that, that, that's <laughs> always fun.
0: <laughs>
1: Lastly, we are the PDH Pod on both YouTube and Twitch, and the latter is where I stream Spell Table PDH uh, generally every Saturday evening. So check that out. It's always a good time. Uh, Liam, we got any this week in Magic? Oh yeah, we got a lot of this week in
2: Magic. Uh, so, (laughs) this week, we will be talking about Commander Masters. Uh, but just in time for Commander Masters spoilers to conclude, like, very literally the same day, we got some Doctor Who spoilers from Gavin Verhey.
0: Um. Yes, we did. Yeah, he
2: he did a a San Diego Comic-Con panel. We'll talk about those in more detail closer to the release, uh, because those are EH decks that... We're expecting probably some downshifts. Uh, we're expecting new cards, a uh, bunch of new artwork. So we'll, we'll talk about it close to that.
1: And that's like the and that's going to be like the Warhammer thing, where where it's just a set of commander decks, right? Uh, is it a
2: close? So it is it is like the Warhammer in that it is a set of commander decks. Um, but if you remember the Warhammer decks, they came in one of two options. Like you either got an all non foil deck, say for the commander, and then you got an all foil deck, right? Mm, like yeah, you yeah. the premium mm-hmm. versions of the decks yeah um yep. so they're doing it a little bit differently they are making only non-foil decks uh and then if you want the fancy foils they're collector boosters
0: oh
1: yeah interesting so it's it's okay. it's,
2: it's uh a, a part of four decks uh the it's it's a Bant deck that is around doctors one through eight uh i think it is a jeskai or a Timo deck that is doctors uh, nine through eleven. Uh, mm. the other one, Jeskai Otima, is doctors. Um, tw- uh, twelve and thirteen, and then the Grixis deck is all the enemies. Oh, nice. So yeah, so so it's it is a part of four. It is all non-foil decks, save for your commander face cards. But then like they have like a, a fancy showcase frame and other stuff that isn't Collector boosters, which sure. is kind of lame. I would have rather just uh fancy pre con that I could have bought like the forty K ones, but whatever. Yeah. Um but yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I was I was entirely prepared like after seeing the forty K prices. Like I've been saving, you know, entirely prepared to to, to drop on the, the foil decks for Doctor Who and they're like, haha JK it's collector boosters. I'm like, well <laughs> guess that's money back in my pocket because I'm not buying collector boosters. <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah. Uh
1: yeah collector boosters for a uh, commander price. Yeah.
2: So. Like what what the hell? Also, just in time for Commander Master spoilers to conclude, but just a few days later, we got some teasers from Mark Roswater, also from a panel at San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, this uh-huh. teaser panel was only eight pieces of artwork. He did not talk about them, and he did not answer any questions about them. The, the panel was yep. kind of like a QA and a of where Magic is currently at, Yeah. but to start the panel, it was a, a teaser of these eight pieces of artwork. Yep. He said that each artwork correlated with a different upcoming Magic product. Uh, seven of them, the artwork was only credited towards Wizards. One of them, the artwork was also credited was, – was credited towards Wizards and Middle Earth Entertainment, which means it's probably correlated to the upcoming holiday release of Lord of the Rings. Um, oh, okay. But okay. Yep. you got people – there's a lot of people speculating left and right, but since seven of the eight artworks were not credited to any organizational or company other than Wizards of the Coast, like like there was no copyright information – um, yeah, that indicates that all seven of those are universes within they, they should not be universes beyond uh, right, unless right. they got like hella permission from someone to release the image <laughs> once without copyright, which like would never happen. People got to get paid. Exactly. He also said that of those eight products, we would hear more details about each of them within two weeks of that teaser panel. Now that teaser oh. panel was four days ago. Uh, yes. He was a little more specific. He said some details will be coming from a panel at MagicCon Barcelona, uh, which I believe is happening on the Friday or the Saturday of Barcelona, which is this upcoming weekend. Uh, you might be listening to us from there. Uh, yeah. And then some details will be coming from a panel at GenCon, which is the following weekend. I, I, if I'm remembering correctly, it is the teaser of El Drain and Yeah, what it should be. Some more spoilers for Doctor Who. And information about some universes within product, like a a, a universe is beyond. I think the the Walking Dead that's being made universes within. All of that will be at Barcelona, and then everything else will be at Gen Con when they're doing like the thirtieth year celebration. Here's what we're doing for the next three years, kind of jazz.
1: Right, right. Kind of looking forward.
2: But yeah. Yep. That was so now
1: they're going there. If they're not spoiling cards, they're spoiling up upcoming sets or they're teasing them.
2: Exactly. It's always something going on. What I want to know is when Ixalan's coming out, so we can plan some podcast topics.
1: <laughs> I know, right? We got
2: we got quite a few, a uh, couple weeks
1: on hold, just waiting for yeah, for that news.
2: Because all we've got is November, and I'm just like, haha, November is a long month.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> I would like a more specific date.
1: Yeah, right now it looks like we'll have five episodes in November. Yeah. And we have one or two of them scheduled with topics. The rest are just sort of
2: hanging out and waiting. Yeah, the but it's not November yeah, right now. It's July.
1: Oh, so what it's are we so hot. About today? Hot July. We are... It's set review time. Well, k- kind of a set review. It's time to talk about some pretty sweet reprints and some pretty awesome downshifts. Uh, overall, uh, Commander Masters comes out, is it August 8th? Is that when we can start purchasing uh, products?
2: August 4th.
1: 4th August 4th we can get the uh, sweet singles in our hands uh, but it's overall and awesome. look uh, overall, it looks like we had 41 uncommons down shifted to common to pauper legalities, and then we had 39 rares shifted to uncommon. So um, we're going to dive into these sort of these cards here. And unlike a, a regular set review of like a brand new set of like like Ixalan coming up in November this week, uh, Liam and I, we just sort of picked a handful of either our personal favorite cards from commons and uncommons or cards that we thought will maybe make an impact in pauper commander, that sort of thing. And I think we're just going to jump right into it. Liam, do you want to start us off?
2: Yeah. I'm going to start us off with All That Glitters. Uh, this is, let me let me open up All That Glitters so I can like talk about the card. Yeah, know I it's just a did white the same aura. exact thing. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a white aura. It is one and a white for an enchantment aura that enchants a creature. Uh, the enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one for each artifact and or enchantment that you control. Uh, I think this is going to be a killer piece in 60 card popper. Uh, but let alone 60, like, we're here to talk about PDH. Um, Right. I think that all the glitters is going to be great for White X Voltron decks that are looking for a very, very quick way to pump up their commander. Sure. Because equipment are artifacts, and auras are enchantments, and if you're running equipment and auras in your Voltron deck, uh, all that glitters is going to give your commander plus 10, plus 10, no sweat.
0: Yeah,
1: pretty, pretty quickly. Like, I'm... I I loved this card when it came out in Throne of Eldraine. Like, I loved it so much. When it was first spoiled, I was upset that it wasn't a common. So, like, whenever I would randomly see one in my LGS bulk boxes, I would just pick it up. Even though I have nowhere to play it, it's just, like, one of my favorite (laughs) cards of all time.
2: One of these days. (laughs) Yeah,
1: one of these days I'll be able to play this card. And now I can, and I'm super excited about it. Like, you know, like you were just saying, if it's something where you're running equipment and auras, perfect. Like, Rayov is a perfect home for this card right here like yeah just seems like a slam dunk in that deck you know i've seen people talk about it in freaking ethershorn sphinx for example like so many people are just hyped up for this Ooh. card it's crazy so oh, it's gonna do a lot thought of thought about that yeah i think that was uh oh. i think actually a scarecrow that threw that out there on twitter he's like oh it looks like it'll be good and sphinx too i was like holy cow that just <laughs> certainly <kills> will someone <laughs> yeah just uh <laughs> just kill someone
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking like the last game I played with Sphinx, my affinity count was like 21.
0: Uh huh.
1: But that's
2: just lethal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, God.
1: Yeah, that card's going to do some work, and I am totally here for it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Next up, uh, one that I was kind of looking at. Oh, I, I, well, I just made that sound like I was the only one looking at it. Pretty much the entire format I was looking at it, really, really hyped up about it is Generous Gift. Two yes. and a white for an instant destroy target permanent. Its controller creates a three-three green elephant creature token. This, yeah, this downshift really took a lot of people by surprise. I think.
2: I don't. I don't know that I would say it took me by surprise. Honestly, like I know that Watsi is trying to actively develop an identity for white that people are happy with. Because sure. I'll be real with you, mono white, and its its identity aren't terrible. Like, it's, it's not a bad identity. Mm-hmm. It's just people don't like what it is. Yes. It, because, because it doesn't translate well to multiplayer formats. It, it's a very 1v1 color. Uh, all the other colors translated fairly well to multiplayer. I feel like white would translate well to multiplayer if the life totals didn't increase. Like, I see no complaints about white in, when it uh, comes to Oathbreaker. Like mm, okay no, yeah, yeah yeah, I I have never once seen a single oathbreaker player com- complain about white, and I think it's because it's still a twenty life format. Like it, sure. it, you know, it it's it's still a fairly fast format, but it's it's still a twenty life format, and all the white cards do what they're supposed to do. Um, and I I know that Wizards is trying to manipulate its identity a little bit so that it's still doing what it needs to do, but maybe they can push the rarities a little bit by downshifting some things maybe they can you know make some more impactful uh white cards at various rarities so that they can kind of make up for it like it's still doing what it does it's just doing them at more powerful rates yeah and i think that that's probably the right course of action for white uh that way it's still the color of fair magic but it's you know it's still powerful while doing the fair thing
1: yeah and you have access to those more slightly powerful cards because they are at common now or what have you or shift you know downshifted
2: i i think the thing that that shocks me about this is that it is kind of functionally identical to beast within same mana cost same speed Mm -hmm. same effect just makes an elephant instead of a beast right beast within being so much older than generous gift because generous gift came out in 2019 Mm -hmm. beast within from one of the original phyrexia blocks a little shocked this got the downshift before Beast Within, or at least not at the same time. But at the same time, you know, like I just said, if they're trying to push White's identity so that it does the fair thing just at a more powerful rate, Generous Gift being common and Beast Within being uncommon kind of makes sense. Both colors yeah. get access to this identity, but White gets to do it just slightly bit better. Yeah. It's I... the same mana value, same effect, same speed. It just gets to be a rarity lower.
1: Yep, and I think that that's makes a, sense. Yeah, that's a really good point you make. I think by them downshifting generous gift instead of beast beast within, that's them sort of making a statement.
2: Yeah, and and I I'm kind of hoping to see this continue across the board in in PDH EDH uh, straight to modern sets, whatever. Sure. Like yeah, yeah. like you know because there's there's lots of effects like draining effects that white and black both have. Uh, you know the very rare uh, direct damage effect from Sun Lance. <laughs> 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 Please was improve literally anything about Sunlance and reprint it. Give it instant yeah, speed. anything make it yeah, make something. it target anything. Like good just, Lord. Goodness, goodness gracious, change anything on that code. Right. But like, I feel like white has a f- solid identity. It just needs to do things at lower rarities. Um, yeah, that's a good and I'm happy to, to see it. that. Yep. Absolutely. Uh
1: what's your next pick here?
2: Uh the next pick is kind of a bit of a, a I don't want to say mi- I don't know what I'm looking for is uh, mixed feelings in the community. Like, I, I, I've i said I'm excited for this card, and people say why. Right. <laughs> um, so Spectral Grasp is one in a white for an aura. It enchants a creature. Uh, the enchanted creature can't attack you or Planeswalkers you control, and the enchanted creature can't block creatures you control. So this is a card that is originally from one of the Conspiracy sets. Yep. Uh, it wasn't uncommon. It's basically better pacifism. Like... You know pa- pacifism is just can't attack a block and we have a bunch of different pacifism effects that you know can enchant more than a creature they yeah. can enchant creatures and artifacts right or they can enchant uh creatures artifacts planeswalkers and they shut them down yep. uh like we got a, we got a couple of pretty good ones in uh one and then much the machine uh names are escaping me but the 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 one from all will be one is is a really solid choice
1: planar disruption
2: is that yeah, sounds right yeah yep. it's got the wanderer on it yeah but spectral grasp is really good in that slot too and and the thing with pacifism effects is there is no generally speaking effect that is better than another all of the pacifism effects that we have really it kind of matters what's in your local meta what's what's sure. in your friend group which mm-hmm. to, to determine which ones are good um and there are certainly ones that are better for open metas but even still, like there's like five of those, so you really have to like pick and choose, like what are you expecting to see? Yeah. And spectral grasp to me just makes so much sense because even when you get down to a one v one game, they still can't attack you. They still can't block your stuff. Yeah, isn't that that's crazy, right? Like, like that's. It's so good. That's so good because like yeah, it only a chance a creature. Yeah, you don't get to shut down activated abilities or artifacts. Okay, there are other versions of this effect that do that. Yeah. But. You know, just being able to be like, yeah, that creature can't attack or block
1: me. Right. <laughs> but it can go
2: at other people. Yeah.
1: C- kill everybody else.
2: Just Yeah, uh... and you know, it doesn't it doesn't go at anything, so it doesn't force attacks, but I wouldn't want it to. I, I would I would only play this on a creature that's actively attacking. Like, yeah, you get to keep your seven seven. Yeah, you get to keep your yeah, you ten ten with double strike. It just can't go at me. Right. It's not coming this way. And it, 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 it can't block me. Like yeah. that's perfectly fine. I am okay with that effect.
1: Yeah, and I um, like that it pauses it like that because by the time they figure out how to get rid of this enchantment or make it so that ten ten double strike can attack you, you've drawn into a card that can actually deal with it.
2: Exactly, and yeah. I I think it's a really solid piece that I'm really excited to slot into a couple of decks.
1: Yeah, I like it. It was a good downshift.
2: Uh, what uh, do you got next?
1: Well, I got next. I actually have one. It's maybe more of a specific deck that I had in mind, but uh, Ministrant of Obligation. It's two and a white for a two-one human cleric with afterlife of two. So when it dies, you create two one one white and black spirit creature tokens with flying. Um I, I love the afterlife effect. It's very Orzov, it's spirits, huh. you know, I just love all that kind of stuff. And it's not a bad rate. You know, you're getting basically three creatures for three mana. Not bad. Two of two of them are flying. And you know, I don't know where else it's gonna fit in the meta or the tier decks or anything like this. I'll probably jam it in a lot of my my personal white decks, but it's definitely gonna go into Menthara. Like that just seems like yeah. a slam dunk in that deck. You know, I can absolutely take out I don't know Sky Scanner or something of that nature for this just a direct swap because. You know, for yeah. three mana, I'll end up with a six one, and then when it dies, I'll get two six ones. Like it just seems like a, uh, you know, I can't argue with that value. So I don't know yeah. where else it's going to show up in the deck or in the meta or in the format. But personally, I absolutely love this one. What do you think about the Ministrant?
2: Um, I I don't think it will be showing up as a generically good card. Sure. Uh it's it's it is definitely no, uh, uh, generous gift. But I yeah. <laughs> definitely think it, I definitely think it has a home. It is a very, uh, it's a card that has a very tight synergy.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like when it is synergistic, it is really good. Yeah. But yep. outside of those decks, I, it just, it won't see play. Yep. Uh, and I think, you know, in the Orzhov Aristocrats decks, like when this thing comes down, like you are, you're already screwed. <laughs>
0: right. Cause right. when it dies, <laughs>
2: it makes, like you said, two six ones, but those six ones have flying. Right. The exactly. regular one doesn't. So, yeah. like, this is in, in an Orzhov Aristocrats deck, this is a counter it or lose to it. Yeah. But yeah, you're outside, gonna, you're gonna of, have outside of Orzhov Aristocrats, I think it's a, a a super chaff card that, you know, it might make it into a, a floor meta deck here and there, but it, a, aggressively okay outside of those decks. But in sure. those decks, really good card. Yeah, absolutely.
1: That is completely fair. Uh, What do you got next?
2: Uh, Next up, I am jumping into blue. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is a card that did catch my eye for Sphinx. It is Reverse Engineer 3 blue blue for a sorcery that draws you three cards, uh, but it has Improvise. And Improvise is your artifacts can help cast the spell. Each artifact you tap after you're done activating mana abilities pays for one. So it's kind of like Convoke. But yeah. for artifacts mm-hmm. instead of creatures. Yeah, this card is going to be bonkers and sphinx because you know I, I'm I'm looking for good draw spells for the deck. Just and, the, the gas. Yep. Yeah, and there's, there's, there's some good ones. There are some good ones. But you know, after a couple, after I got through the really good ones, I, you know I was picking. I was like, yeah, this one's kind of okay. I wish there was something better, but it's all right. Uh, but recently, we got uh, the meeting of minds which is really good when I've made a bunch of tokens. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, And then we got Lorien Revealed, which is really good for getting Mystic Sanctuary. And then we got Reverse Engineer. And I'm just like, all right, I got enough draw spells now. (laughs) (laughs) This one's making it in the deck. I have to find the room for it, but it is going to make it in because, you know, cascade into it, draw three. Don't cascade into it, it costs two. Because I'm, you know, at every Sphinx game I've played, I have tons of artifacts on the field, many of which don't have tap abilities.
1: Yeah, they're just hanging out to give you the, the, the affinity count.
2: Yeah, they're just vibing out, and it's yeah. like, yeah, you know, I I tap some of those down. You know, I might end up paying three mana for this. Oh well, three mana draw three is fine. Yeah, it seems uh, good. One one of the one of the initial lists for the deck had the ascend draw spell, which is three mana draw three in that deck. Yeah. So I like this over the ascend one because there will be the occasion that I get to cast this for two mana. But I think this is a really good card. Or My Sphinx deck. <laughs>
0: yes,
1: absolutely. <laughs> th- just like the the ministrant, like in the yeah. Sphinx deck, it's going to be absolutely bonkers. Everywhere else, it might be okay to subpar.
2: Yeah, I I think outside of the Sphinx deck, it'll be it'll be pretty good in just blue X artifacts based builds. Yep, exactly. Like, you're gonna have equipment just vibing out.
1: I mean, I guess yeah, I could see it in like maybe TPI where you you know taps some soldiers or something to. Dude, so this, get this it.
2: should be in TPI. Like yeah. if meeting of minds made it in TPI, this should be in TPI. <laughs> yeah. Like, this, this isn't as good as Meeting of Minds, because Meeting of Minds is just free. It's but, free,
1: and it's instant speed.
2: Yeah, but I, I think there's, there's an argument for this in TPI. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Because for those who don't know, TPI, uh, Third Path Iconoclast, the tokens that it makes are artifacts. It's so for whatever like, Why?
1: Why? Why are they artifacts?
2: <laughs> for whatever reason, those 1-1 one, one tokens are artifacts. Yep. Oh,
1: great. <laughs> That's not ridiculous at all.
2: Oh, nope, no. Nope. <laughs> Reckless fire. We have to say what now?
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, my next one here is pretty straightforward. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on it, but it's cryptic serpent. We finally got it from the command zone into the 99. Heck yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's seven mana serpent. It's five and two blue. It's a six, five, but it costs one less, one generic less for each instant and or sorcery card in your graveyard. So, yeah. I don't know. It's pretty straightforward. I like that, you know, we kind of have this effect already at Common, like with Gear Seeker Serpent. You know, we have the other mm-hmm. big serpents, Tolarian Terror, Sword Coast Serpent, all that sort of stuff. So this just sort of adds to that big, beefy, snaky, watery theme you got going there. So um, Cryptic Serpent hasn't been the threat as a commander in a long time, pretty much since um, Sailor's Bane was printed for the most yeah. part. Uh, but it should be fun. It's going to be of fun in. Probably 60 card popper, PDH is going to show up all over the place, so should be
2: pretty cool. And that's all i got to say about it, honestly. That, that's what I would have to say about it. I I, yeah. I agree. Back to you, sir. Uh, the next card I am excited for, and I have no real particular reason for this, is Vizier of Tumbling Sands. Okay. Uh, it's 200 blue for a 1-3 human cleric. It has a tap ability to untap another target permanent. You can cycle it for one in the blue, and when you cycle the Vizio of Tumbling Sands, you untap a target permanent, in addition to the drawing a card off the cycle ability. Right. Mm-hmm. I have no real reason to like this card. Uh, I think it probably has a home in Gretchen. Oh, Maybe. I'm, I can see that. I'm, I'm, no, a I'm pinch, not a Gretchen sure. player, so I'll, I'll let Puzzle Box you know, decide that, but I, <laughs> I feel like it probably has a home in Gretchen. Sure. And in and, and other similar decks, it's just another untapper that gives you a little bit of flexibility with the cycling. But maybe the, the the actual cost and the cycling ability are too much mana for Gretchen. I I don't know. It's a card I really liked in Amun block, and it was really disappointed it was an uncommon because uh, it, it felt like an uh, like a common to me. Yeah, it is one see... of
1: those uncommons that just has always felt like it should be a common. I guess yeah. I get it for like limited purposes,
2: but and I'm happy to see it's uh, downshifted to common here. Uh, I don't know why I'm excited for it. I just <laughs> <laughs> totally if fair. It's... Maybe it's the feeling of vindication that it's finally downshifted, you know?
1: Yeah, that you were right all those years ago. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, my next one is Demon's Disciple. We're down into the... Uh, that was, My Cryptic Serpent was my only blue one, so we're into the black here. Demon's Disciple, two and a black, four, three, One human cleric. When it ETBs, each player sacrifices a creature. This is not a novel effect at common. It's flesh bag. It's flashback, exactly. But I love that we have another one.
0: Yeah, it, exactly. Pretty
1: much, you know, they always come in handy. They're always useful, especially for the grindier decks. And this is going to be another card that's just going to go right into Minthara because <sighs> that deck struggles to really do anything before, like, turn six. So I need yeah. a way to <laughs> keep the board as clear as possible. And it, the the sacrificing part on it, it triggers Minthara's uh, ability anyway, so... Um, that's not the only deck it'll show up in. It'll probably show up quite a few places across across multiple decks, but I just love that we have this effect again at Common. So, gimme, gimme.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, the next card I'm excited for is also a black card. Uh, it is Dread Return. Mm-hmm. Uh, for two black, black, you get a sorcery that returns target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Uh, it also flashbacks... And the cost for the flashback is sacrificing three creatures. That's it. No mana, no life, just sacrifice three creatures. Uh, you get to return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Dread return is a solid reanimator piece that has finally been downshifted after people... Some people have been asking for it for a while. Some people just want other you know, reanimation effects, and Dread return is that. Yep. Uh, so it's kind of exciting to see. If yep. you are running an Orzhov-ish reanimator build and you're running Resurrection, uh, my personal recommendation would be take a look at Dread Return, because it's the same mana value, 4 mana, 2 and 2 colored pips, for a sorcery that has the text, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. The only benefit that Dread Return has over Resurrection is you get the flashback ability. Resurrection is a white card, has nothing after the main effect no flashback. Honestly, in an Orzhov reanimator deck, you're probably running both. But if you only have room for one, I would probably consider Dread Return just because of that flashback. I do want to clarify a quick rules thing with Dread Return. A lot of people think you, when you're casting a spell, you pay the cost and then you choose targets. That is not the case. You choose targets and then pay the cost. So what yes. that means is you put Dread Return on the stack, you target something in your graveyard, and then you sacrifice three creatures. Yes. you will not be able to reanimate with the flashback ability one of the three creatures that you sacrifice. Oh, so, okay,
1: okay. I wasn't sure where you were going, but yep, that makes yeah. total sense. So for
2: the for the people that are like, yeah, I'm going to pay four mana, reanimate my Gary, and then sacrifice the Gary and two other things to reanimate him again, <laughs> no. <laughs> you need to find some other way to sacrifice Gary and put him in the graveyard before you flashback Dread Return.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that's like some unset shenanigans. <laughs> yes, yes. I I, I did
2: want to clarify that. Because uh, I know I've I've seen people already be like, oh, I'm gonna do this epic line and get two Gary's. I'm like, no, uh, yeah. no, How you're you not. No, you are <laughs> try not. Try <laughs> again.
1: <laughs> yeah, and if you're a mono black fan, you know we have like Exhum and Unearth. It's kind of conditional, yeah. but at this mana value or even close, all we really have is Rise Again, which is five uh, five total mana, and it's it's a one time use. So
2: yeah, but Gary is also five mana. So That's like true. like Rising Again a Gary is no no sweat. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know rising again a demon's disciple feels a little bad <laughs> but it's fine uh, uh it's know, okay <laughs> yeah dread returning a gary fantastic yeah you want to be doing that
0: <laughs> yeah
1: absolutely
2: uh what do you got next
1: uh i think we're gonna stay in black here i'm actually really happy that we got drown in sorrow downshifted to a common finally uh, I did not know about this card for a long time. It originally first showed up in Born of the Gods, one of my okay. favorite blocks uh, back in the day. It's uh, generic and two black for sorcery. All creatures get minus two, minus two until the end of turn, and for some reason, scry one. Hmm. Probably just because it was Born of the Gods, everything scryed back then. Um, yeah. This was a card that so many... 60-card pauper players were just sort of like begging for years ago. It was before Fiery Cannonade, before all this other crazy stuff. And at the time, it was, you know, even um, even Gavin would say that, you know, something like Drown and Sorrow is just too powerful for pauper. And this was about five years ago, six years ago.
2: Yeah, sounds about right.
1: So I'd love to see that we've sort of made it to that level where minus two, minus two, Is not format warping, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like it's a very powerful card, is gonna come in very handy, but like it's not gonna need a ban and it's not gonna be like the the menace of the format or anything like that. It's just going to be a very good card.
2: What I think helped John and Sorrow get that eventual downshift is fiery cannonade and breath weapon. After seeing that yeah, you know, two damage to every non pirate or two damage to every non dragon, like no Kills a couple things, but not everything. I think the minus two, minus two, finally made it through. Yeah. Um, there are a couple things I'm a little upset about. You know, the okay. the the double pip over the single pip, the sorcery speed over instant speed. Um, you know, it, I I feel like Drown and Sorrow is at least at least in your Raktos decks where you have black and red. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're going to end up playing Fiery Cannonade and Dragon Breath before you play Drown and Sorrow. Oh, just I because. See that. Sure. Instant speed Wrath's are insane, yeah, and that's going to be very helpful. Uh, in addition to that, there's another card that we're going to talk about, or uh, at least I'm going to talk about a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might see a little play over Drown and Sorrow, but honestly, Drown and Sorrow and this this other card are, are kind of on the same wavelength. And so I, I think Drown and Sorrow is great for black X decks that are not running red. Yes. but if you're running red alongside black, I I don't feel like Drown and Sorrow makes the cut. But at the same time, I'm also happy to see board wipes making it to common. Like, yes, one 100%. of the biggest one of the biggest struggles of this format is board stalls. And, oh, yeah. you know, a lot of our board wipes don't completely crush the board, but they do get, you know, some of the some of the more Trump blockers out of the way. That way, you know, if someone's going to block, it's going to mean something. And I'm I'm happy to see that we're getting more of those. I don't think the format needs a bajillion like EDH does. But I I do like that we now have more than three, because <laughs> it was yes. it was it was fiery, uh, cannonade, breath weapon, and pestilence.
1: That was it. Yep, that was yeah. it.
2: And I, I guess you could count cryptgrass. So yeah, we had four. Yeah. Um, and and I, I appreciate that even though we got two more board wipes. Uh, the other one we will talk about later in this set, they're still in black and red.
3: Mm-hmm. Like that
2: is you know if you want a board wipe in this format, you need to play black or red. And right. I'm I'm glad to see. That were there.
1: Yeah. I am very happy to see this downshifted. And I think it's more I guess what I was trying to say earlier too is I, I like the what this downshift implies. That like I don't know if I'm get necessarily more wise in the future. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know if I'm exactly in love with Drown in Sorrow as a card specifically, but I love what it what it symbolizes for mm-hmm. the format.
2: Yeah, I agree. So. What you got? Uh what I have is the cousin of a card that was just printed for the first time, Nadia's Nightblade, uh, cousin of mockwood Bats. <laughs> yep. For two and a black, you get a 1-3 Elf Warrior. Whenever a token you control leaves the battlefield, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. The Bats was whenever a token you control enters or leaves. Uh, I think it drains everyone for one. I don't think it gains you life. I could be wrong. The, the Bats are still fairly new. But yeah. My biggest thing was when the bats got printed at common. My brain and everyone else's brain in Pdh immediately went to Nadia's Nightblade and it being an uncommon. Yeah, and we're just like, hold up! Like these bats are way better than the Nightblade. <laughs> like even though the bats ha- cost an additional generic mana, like they're way better. Why is the Nightblade an uncommon? Like yeah. why why is this design that we're okay with? Because Nightblade came from the original Commander Masters. Uh, I feel like it came from there. Uh, sorry, Commander the original Legends, Commander yeah. Legends. Uh, I feel like it came from, the, it might have been some other printing before that, but I feel like it originated in Commander Legends. No, you're the right. Bats, the bats came from a straight-to-modern set, Lord of the Rings, whatever. But still, like, if the bats are common, like, the Nightblade needs to be common. Well, here yeah. we are a month later, Nightblades are common. I am ecstatic. Yeah, ecstatic.
0: <laughs> That's
1: so cool.
2: I'm so happy about this. Uh, yep. to- <laughs> Token decks is so happy about this. Yeah. But yeah, so Nadia's Nightblade and it got an epic borderless artwork to boot oh,
1: it certainly did um, it looks so good
2: so that's exciting as well
1: yeah yeah so many of these um alt alternate art cards and stuff and down are going into the popper cube like i don't know how i'm gonna make all these cuts but it's gonna happen <laughs>
2: <laughs> no no, no <laughs> so, yeah. see, you're, you're at the point where you don't need to make cuts you just expand the cube
1: I, I might have to i had to go from i think it was around the time of commander legends i had to go from 360 to 540 you just have to go to 720 or something. Yeah,
2: now it's time to get like 720. <laughs> make make it even 1,000. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: fine. Yeah, why not?
2: The biggest, My biggest problem with designing cubes is once I go below like 800 cuds, I just mm-hmm. I just want to stop. <laughs> There's not enough room. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to feel that for sure. So yeah. yeah oh,
2: excellent. You, yeah. What do you got next?
1: What do I got next? Where did my list go here? Uh, up next is more of just sort of a pet card of mine. I always liked it, and it's another one of those that came out, you know, in one of my favorites, that's Theros Beyond Death. Uh, I just love Theros, and this is Meyer Triton. Oh, it's you one liked of, Theros Beyond Death? I do. I like all the... I love the, the idea, um, the thematics behind Theros, the <laughs> stories behind it, all that sort of stuff. I, you I know, like the heavy, idea of Theros. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, that's it. I love the idea, the execution left some <laughs> to be desired, but... Um, yeah, Myra Triton is one in a black for 2-1 zombie merfolk with death touch. When it ETBs, you mail two cards and gain two life. It's yeah. literally it. That's the card. Like,
3: Solid.
0: Yeah,
1: I'm just glad it's seeing uh, common printing. And this is um, sort of like the, I think it was the Vizier you mentioned. Like this has just always felt like a common. Mm-hmm. Like even when it released, like why can't this just be a common? I understand yeah, that it's it, probably for limited purposes, but like I kind of agree. totally just common power level. All, all all up and down. So I'm happy that we finally get to play with it. And that's all I got to say about Meyer Triton because there's yeah. really not much to say about her.
2: Yeah. Uh, my next card is Witch's Cauldron. Yeah. Uh, it is a single black for an artifact that uh, is one in a black, tap, sacrifice a creature, you gain one life, and draw a card. Uh, this isn't a novel effect for us. We We definitely have sure. a couple of cards already that have... Some kind of mana gate, sacrifice a creature, you gain a life draw card. Uh, yep. Most notably, that was talked about in our Discord, was Spark Reaper. Uh, Spark Reaper is three generic to sacrifice a creature, gain one life draw card. It uh, does not have a tap cost, so you can do it as many times as you want to turn. Yep. Uh, Spark Reaper is also a creature, and it's a little bit squishy. Uh, it it <laughs> dies to bolt, it's got three toughness, so you know it's not terrible. Yeah. It uh, doesn't, doesn't die to a single board wiped but if someone for whatever reason casts two it would spark Reaper is a solid card it's a card i've run before in in a couple of different decks great in a pinch great whenever the board is being wiped you can sacrifice a couple things you got the mana but honestly my entire time running spark Reaper, i never really sacrificed more than one thing to it in a turn yeah Uh, i've I've noticed that
1: too Mm -hmm. if
2: the game was going my way if the game wasn't going my way, I would you know sometimes blow two or three things up. But but sure. if I'm if I'm happy with where I'm at, I'm you know maybe sacrificing one thing a ton at most. Uh, so the the tap cost on which cauldron doesn't really bother me that much. The one in a black cost over three generic again doesn't bother me because it's two mana over three. This mm-hmm. is probably going to be in a black heavy deck anyway, so the the, the black mana doesn't doesn't bug me too much. Right. Uh, what I do like about which is cauldron ovos. Buck Harvester or a couple other effects like that is, is a singular mana to get on the field.
1: Yes, it is and, Blood Fountain mana value. Yeah,
2: and it, it, you know, it can come down turn one if you have nothing else to do because turn one plays in that format are fairly rare. Uh, it's not going to draw a lot of hate because, yeah, it'll draw your cards, but you have to sacrifice a creature and tap it. like People right. aren't going to want to waste their removal spell for that. They're going to want to hold it for something else. And yeah, if
1: it was you know if it was repeatable or you went through some shenanigans to make it repeatable, yeah, like, yeah, sure they may go through the, the trouble of blowing it up, but on its face, you're just going to keep getting value
2: out of it. Exactly, and it and this is a little bit more my speed being an artifact itself. My decks tend to focus around artifacts, the artifact counts, just because it's something that I, I like to do. It's more my play style, mm-hmm. so I feel like the decks that I that I currently have sparked. Harvester in or Spark reaper whatever Spark whatever comes. Mm-hmm. I'll probably replace it with Witch's Cauldron just because it has no downside for my playstyle. It has upside sure. for my playstyle. Yeah, so I'm what, kind of yeah, one hundred percent.
0: Yep,
1: yeah. Same here. The types of Black X decks that I like to play that care about sacrificing creatures. First of all, like you said, the mana mana cost, the black to cast it, the black and uh, generic to activate it is not very prohibitive because in the decks that care about this, half the deck's going to be black anyway. Yeah. So I like that. I like that it's easy to cast. It's easy. It's not a target. Like, it just has a lot of stuff going for it. Like, And none of the effects are really going to make you a target. Okay, like you gain one life and you draw a card. It's not like you know, you're drawing four cards a turn or something like that, or you're putting stuff directly in the play or anything, any shenanigans like that, yeah. you're just, like, chilling out. You're like, like you said, you're just vibing out, drawing cards every turn, drawing yep. an extra card every turn.
2: And repeatable card draw sources are so rare in our format. I'm happy to see that. Yeah, more.
1: so rare, and I'm glad it's in black. It's, it just feels good.
2: <laughs> like blue needs it. <laughs> I, I know, exactly.
1: <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to move us into red, if you're cool with that. Sounds good to me. Uh, I'm going to blow right past Blood Aspirant. Everybody knows it's a good card. It's a fun card, good aristocrat's (laughs) card. It's going to go in the cube, play with it. It's going to be fun. Uh, My choice, though, and much like Cryptic Serpent, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but it is Gutter Snipe. The old Goblin Shaman for three. It's a 2-2. When you cast an instant or sorcery, it deals two damage to each opponent. Unlike Cryptic Serpent, though, I feel like... Gutter Snipe is probably still gonna see some play as a commander because frankly, some people just love it. It's really good in certain metas or certain types of events or at certain tables or even maybe you know, like 1v1, that sort of thing. And frankly, it is kind of fun if you're into that spellslinger sort of vibe like just burning people down like i'm gonna win or i'm gonna lose but it's gonna be over in 15 minutes and i'm cool with that but uh having it as an option in the 99 i think actually might make it a little more powerful than from the command zone it's gonna be granted you're not just gonna have access to it all the time but it's gonna be harder to deal with because you know if gutter snipes on board then that probably means that there's four other pingers on board yeah you know like it's gonna be a whole crew of them on top of Whatever your commander is doing, you know, before when Gutter Snipe was your commander, it was like that is the problem right there. Forget what the ninety nine is doing; that commander is the problem, and all of our stuff's going to be targeting it. So, yeah. with it being in the ninety nine, I think it's going to be um, at least as powerful as it was in the command zone. And I don't know; it's just going to be a lot of fun. Are you a Gutter Snipe
2: fan? Uh, I am a huge Gutter Snipe fan. Um, mm-hmm. I'm excited to put this into my uh, ninety nine because it was it was never interesting enough for me as a commander, because it it, it does have a huge target. You're going to have to cast it multiple times. But one of its strengths as a commander is you can recast it. In the 99, it's going to be much harder to get it out of the graveyard. Yep. So Mm -hmm. once it's gone, it's gone. Uh, The plus side of that is you're playing it, it's going to kind of draw the target to itself, so if you had something else that was being a problem, you're more likely going to be able to keep that. Yes. Now, you need to be comfortable with Gutter Snipe having that target. You need to be comfortable understanding that, you know, sometimes you will get to keep it and do the thing. Most of the time you won't. Um, yep. So it it's kind of like a, a double-edged sword. So I'm I'm intrigued to see where it goes. Yep. I think it will be bonkers in 60 card.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's going to be cool. Cr- yeah, when you can play it in 4 of, like, come on. When you seems... can play in
2: 4 of and they have <laughs> 20 life. Like, I... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember many a drafts where I had two to three of these things.
1: Oh, it's gross!
2: And, yeah, I, I for sixty card play sets. Oh my gosh! Yeah, this would be so broken.
1: All right, what do you got in uh, in red?
2: Uh, I have a dwarven hammer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for two in red, you get an equipment uh, that when it enters the battlefield, you may pay two generic. If you do, you create a 2-1 red Dwarf Berserker creature token and then attach the Dwarven Hammer to it. So it has the option to come in with its own token. Uh, the equipped creature gets plus 3, plus 0 and has Trample, and it equips for 3. Yep. So when you cast this, you could pay a total of 5 mana to get a 5-1 with Trample. Yep. Or you could pay a total of 6 mana, just the cost and the equip cost, to give an existing creature plus 3, plus 0 and Trample.
1: Oh, that's, that's huge. That's huge.
2: I, I I'm a huge fan of Voltron strategies. I'm a huge fan of equipment. If I had to pick my favorite just card type, like like super type, card type, subtype, it would probably be equipment. Uh I will always be ecstatic for new equipment at common, whether they're brand new cards or downshifts. Sure. I'm excited about this.
1: Yeah, seems good. I was I was looking at that as I was reading Gutter Snipe, and it's just a cool car. Like we we first saw it, saw it in Caldheim, so it wasn't even that long ago that it was an uncommon. But
2: exactly, um, there, there was some there was some killer downshifts. Like let alone you know the uncommons to commons, some of these rares that got downshifted to uncommon that we're going to talk about in a in a bit. Like these aren't you know, some of, some of them are auto cuts. You know, some of them come from early twenty tens. You know, uh, maybe yeah. even a little bit before that. Some of them come from fire design.
1: Yeah. And yeah, that's real surprising. I didn't I'm notice that, like, so like, you pointed it out earlier in the Discord.
2: Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, you know, some of these ones, like Rorix Bladewing coming from Onslaught. Yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> um, but like, you know, like Grave Gravegardener coming from Strixhaven. That was two years ago. Mm-hmm. It was a rare in a Commando product, and now it's an Uncommon? right what <laughs> <laughs> i just i'm baffled i'm baffled at some of these some of these shifts
1: yeah you know I'm, I'm, I'm glad too it wasn't just the pauper communities that were so shocked by some of these downshifts like everybody was across the board edh players popper yeah. players like, like it I mean, suits down, everybody
2: downshifts down don't affect edh players other than they're more likely to open them in their packs yeah but like I I had some of my friends who, like, don't play Papa, but know that I do. They were like, did you see some of those downships? And I was like, yes, I am aware. Yes. (laughs) And they're just like, okay. Oh, yeah, Yeah. there's some good ones. What do you got next for us in in red? Uh,
1: This is one that I actually, I've never played with because it's always been an uncommon. Um, And I didn't actually read it correctly when it was first spoiled as a common. But it's rapacious one. For five and a red, it's an Eldrazi drone. It's a five four with trample. So not not too bad. Not a bad not a bad rate. Uh, whenever rapacious one deals combat damage to a player, create that many zero one colorless Eldrazi spawn creature tokens that you can sack for a colorless mana.
2: So when you first read this, you also read that when it deals combat damage, you make one Eldrazi, right?
1: Yes, one hundred percent. Okay. That's what yeah. I read.
2: <laughs> I I also read First time I was like, Yeah, deals Commodore should play and make make an no Eldrazi spawn. I'm like, yeah, that's good. You, me, you it's got trample, you know, get rid of some of the chumps, you get two or three mana off it. Like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah. I was like, Yeah, it seems okay. <laughs> like, you know, might make it into a deck somewhere. Uh huh. And then I had Sniff yelling at me in Discord. He's like, No, it says create that many. And I was like, What? What? <laughs> I was like, yeah. Oh, I understand now.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, from the way I read it, it was going into maybe one deck to the way it actually is printed. It's probably going in almost every deck I play. Cause, yeah. like, uh, Orfeo loves it. Orfeo can double its power. And then all oh, of a sudden wow. you're making, you know, up to 10 Eldrazi tokens. Uh, same with, like, uh, what is it? Oh, Savage Vent Like, you could cast this for free and just have a five, tr- you know, five trampler that makes mana. Like, it's just crazy the kind of stuff that you can do with this card. And it's, that seems like that that effect that effect alone where the excess damage or the damage dealt creates that many of something like that's super rare at pauper and it's going to be a hell of fun to play with
2: yeah i i agree um the humble defector list that i made last week i might be modifying it to put the rapacious one in
1: (laughs) sure Um, yeah absolutely you know and it works great with menace effects and Lightstone yeah. effects and the, the 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 dwarven hammer you just read like everything oh, yeah. you want to do in a red deck this does it awesome mm-hmm. so all right what about you are you still in red
2: uh i believe i am uh the one last red card that i want to talk about mm-hmm. is sulfurous blast so this is the card that i was referencing when i was talking about drown in sorrow mm-hmm. uh this is two red red for an instant Sophos Blast deals two damage to each creature and each player. If you cast the spell during your main phase, Sophos Blast deals three damage to each creature and each player instead. So this costs an additional red mana on top of Dragon Breath and, and Fiery Cannonade. Yeah. Two, at the same instant speed, deal two damage to every creature and each player. So yep. this doesn't have a non pirate or a non-dragon Claws, which you know those those two cards get really good in their respective uh type yeah. of builds.
1: Yeah. <laughs> For
2: sure. But I mean, I still play them in plenty of decks. Like I, I play both of them in my uh uh Raptor Hatchling deck. Yeah. And that's a dinosaur. Like well, the the type of protection means nothing to me honestly. I just see no, them as 3 here. mana. Save I just see here. them as 3 mana deal deal to everything. Yep. Here you get to keep the instant speed but you have to pay a, another colored mana. To also hit plyos. That's an additional six damage you get for one red mana.
0: For
1: one. Yep.
2: I'm Huge. okay with that.
1: Yeah, I'm right? I am pretty good with that. I'm, yep.
2: I'm very okay with that. Even though it's hitting me for two, so I guess a total of eight. Like I'm very okay with six damage on my opponents for a single red mana. Yep. And then if I happen to cast this at sorcery speed instead, it does an extra damage to everything? Yeah. This is insane. I'm putting yeah. this in every red deck.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a lot more powerful than people give credit for.
2: And and I'm I'm so excited for another blood wipe in these colors. Yeah. But like I am just I'm baffled. I I saw this and I was like they put what at common? <laughs> like this is honestly just common wrath of god.
1: In our format it kind of is. Like honestly.
2: I mean like, like it's, no it's... no
1: memes, no jokes aside.
2: Yeah, like unless unless you are playing plus one plus one counters, it is not often you will have a creature with really greater than like four toughness. And yep. anything that has four toughness or more, I'm probably using a removal spell on it. I'm fine with my board wipe hitting all the little trump blockers and mana dorks and stuff like that. All the value pieces, like the the mana reducers and whatnot.
1: You like, know, and this this takes out all the stupid gut skeleton tokens if you oh cast it God, during your main phase started. like hello and it, yeah. you know it doesn't it's not limited to uh non-flying creatures or something like that like it's literally just every creature definitely... and every face at the table
0: yeah so it's, you know and amazing. this might
1: be another addition to like sir Cara from throne of eldraine where oh my goodness you know where you can play cards off the top of the library like it just there's so many so much potential with this card crazy all right, I'm going to push this over to green and talk about a downshift to common that came all the way from rare in t- Commander yeah. 2018. Uh, and this is another card that's going to go right into uh, decks like Orpheo They care about gigantic, massive amounts of damage. And this one is Crash of Rhino Beetles. It is also uh, five mana. It's four and a green for a 5-5 five five insect with trample. Okay, fine. Uh, Crash of Rhino Be- Beetles gets plus 10 Plus 10, as long as you control 10 or more lands. Not hard to do in any sort of deck in this format that plays green at all. That's not hard to do. It's not hard to get 10 lands by turn 7. And then you're looking at a 15-15 Trampler. And it's not just when it attacks, it gets plus 10, plus 10. Or it's not it gets plus 10, plus 0. Like, if you have 10 or more lands, it's a 15-15. Yeah. And that's it. (laughs) So, it. It's gonna look great in fling decks and Orphio decks, and once again, it's something that Savage Ventmaw can cast for free off its attack mana. Like, there's so so much going on here.
2: Yeah, I I do want to bring in a little bit of my experience with this. Yes, uh, please. So do. so I did have the 2018 Jund land precon. Okay. Um
1: I was gonna ask you if you were you know in playing Commander in 2018 and yes, all that kind of yes. stuff because like I, I didn't I didn't know about this deck at all.
2: I I did have this deck. I I did have the deck that this card was in. Uh, this card was okay. So I I will go ahead and give the disclaimer that the the jund land deck was a land sacrifice deck. So you were actively sacrificing lands for value. Mm-hmm. Uh, often that value would get you a land in return. So you would sacrifice a land, you get another one back. Um, or you'd sacrifice two lands, you get one back. Uh, but you were also getting some other value like life gain or creature generation or card draw so so it kind of made up for it yeah so keeping 10 lands in that deck was difficult having 10 mana was not um (laughs) in in green decks having 10 mana is very very easy to do like you don't even need mana rocks you have mana dorks you have your lands you have land auras you will have 10 mana no problem yep 10 lands is a different story i want you to just take a second and think about the last time you had 10 lands on board.
1: That's a good point. You know, when you think about 10 lands, there's something in your head that goes, okay, 10 mana, that's not a problem. Yeah. But it's not, so, like it's actual 10 lands. So you're going to, if you're so trying, once... if you care about the rhinos at all, you need to try to be on some sort of plan.
2: Yes. So this is by no means a bad cut. It is a very sure. good cut. In, in that Jund land precon if you swapped out the face commander. So instead of using Lord Windgraced, if you used uh, Thantis or Gyrus, this card was amazing because both of those decks were very keen on keeping all of their lands. They were very keen on ramping hard, getting to 15-20 lands, playing large spells. And the deck kind of supported it because the deck contained a, a bunch of X spells. But if you were using Windgrace, all those X spells and, and big big land cards just kind of became discard fodder for Windgrace. So oh, you know, okay, it, gotcha. it, it depends. Mm-hmm. If if you were using Windgrace, then this card was just something you discarded. You didn't care what it did. Yeah. If you're using the other two, then this card was amazing. It was a 15-15 trample. So you do really have to be on the every single ramp spell in the format is in my deck plan. Yeah, oh, uh,
0: absolutely. Yeah.
2: You do really have to be on, like, Lantern of Revealing and Scaretilla. Like, you want to be getting extra land drops as you can. Yeah. And so it's good if you are building specifically around that. If you are building ramp as hard as I can, play as many 5 to 8 drops as I can, great cut. If yeah. you want to do something else, just this is not just a, a generic mono-green card. Oh yeah, you know, 100%. like Lanowar Elves yeah. can go in every green deck. Crash of Rhino Beetles cannot. <laughs> yeah, a five I, five I,
1: for five with Trample's not going to get there anymore.
2: No, and so I just I just want people to understand that and it's it's only because I have experience with the card. Sure, uh, sure, sure, sure. And it it definitely it's it's kind of like the the Afterlife card. Like in the right deck, killer. Oh, it's
1: going to be brutal. Yeah.
2: In just your average green deck, it's all right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, just, just just asking you the question, was the last time we had 10 lands? This past Saturday, we played a game uh, where everyone had 10 lands. Yeah. But the game also ended right when everyone had 10 lands. <laughs> yeah, right about so, uh,
1: turn 10, 11, 12, somewhere around there.
2: Yeah. And, yep. you know, none of us were on a, a, a... I don't think any of us were on a green deck, so no one was, was ramping too out of control.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But... That, you know, just, just think about that. Like, you know, the game is ending around turn 10 to 12. So if you are only doing one land a ton, this is just okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You definitely need to be on a dedicated plan to to not just hit yeah. your land drop every turn. Yep. Because inevitably, you're going to miss a land drop. And if you're not trying to ramp, then the Beatles just get worse. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm super excited. Just it total, uh, timmy move just you know i want a 15 15 to bash somebody in the face reasonable. i want to fling it at somebody or i want to essence harvest it or something so uh, all that fun stuff
2: uh, uh what do you got you're up next i i don't have a green card so by <gasps> all means continue oh,
1: um i have one more actually i had crawling infestation in here but the more i'm kind of looking at it yeah it's okay three mana enchantment you mill two cards on your upkeep Uh, Whenever one or more creature cards are put into your graveyard from anywhere, create a one-one green insect creature token. That's great, but it only triggers once a turn. Uh, I'm not really interested in that in the decks that I care graveyard decks that I care about that play green. I I don't like that once a turn claw. This
2: this just came from one of the Innistrad sets. I think the werewolf one might have been the vampire, but this was in Uh, the Innistrad that we had like a year and a half ago.
1: Mm-hmm. yep <laughs> it certainly did <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh sure yeah. sure uh but no one, one i actually am excited about is uh, rot shambler this came from battle for zendikar it's a two mana one one fungus and when another creature you control dies put a plus one plus one counter on it it's plain and simple it's great it's good in golgari aristocrats it's good in any sort of like creature matters deck that plays green like um it's sort of a bloodbriar effect mortician beetle that sort of thing or carrion feeder um uh, not exactly like those but sort of similar to those and this is I, a, i'm all a, about it so
2: a green unruly mob
1: that's it yep unruly mob from white yep absolutely and I'm, I'm totally a fan of those and uh yeah i don't think we need to talk specifics about it unless you had something to say but i just love this type of effect and i especially love it in green so
2: yeah that's a solid card. Yep. Uh where are you taking us to next? Uh I'm gonna take us into colorless if that's alright. Heck yeah. Brass knuckles, a four <laughs> mana equipment. When you cast this spell, copy it, so you get the regular copy and a token copy. Uh the equipped creature has double strike as long as two or more equipment are attached to it. Not a, not necessarily both of the brass knuckles, just two or more right. equipment. Yep. And it equips for one. Uh so so reiterating my previous statement of I'm a huge fan of equipment, glad to see more at common, whether they're downshifts or, or brand new cards, this card I'm especially ecstatic for because I think this is the first equipment we get that gives Double Strike at common. Yeah, I, I believe so. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty big, let it alone big. the fact that you get two of them <laughs> for the yeah. four okay. mana cost. And in any given equipment deck, you know, you're going to have... Multiple creatures that are equipped, and so being able to put the brass knuckles on two separate creatures to give two different things double strike is just insane to me,
1: yes, and yeah, right, and that's that's something that's really easy to look past too is yeah. you get you get two brass knuckles, you can put them on two different creatures and then give them each an additional equipment. Now you just have an, a giant menacing you know yeah. pair of creatures beating people down
2: this just. Is insane.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, it really is.
2: And so I'm, I'm ecstatic to see this.
1: Yeah, it's going to get wild. I, uh, a couple things, you know, it's going to get crazy with like cranial plating decks. Um, again with giant beater decks that you know Orpheos and Thracuses and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I, I could even see it in you know Voltron decks, obviously Kiln fiend type decks. Dude, um,
2: this is this is just amazing in Yoggle. <laughs> th-
1: yeah, exactly. Like this is one turn one combat commander damage kill like you're just yeah. dead yeah um it, sort of in the abstract here too i like that uh, it pretty much started with Strixhaven, i believe where every now and then once or twice a year we're getting these um copies of things at common like granted you know yeah. we're, we're not getting to just copy whatever we want but you know brass knuckles comes in as a copy you know it gives a copy of itself to you like just those little um the little pinches of the higher rarity you know effects like i love having those at common and it just seems like it's gonna be super fun
2: i i agree this i'm so happy for this card.
1: i am too this one really like i think of all the ones we've picked out and talked about so far this is one of the ones that got most people excited as far as the commons go yeah yeah it's crazy and we were talking about right um Crawling Infestation came from Crimson Vow. Brass Knuckles came from Streets of New Capenna, which was after Crimson Vow. So, <laughs>
2: was Capena after Vow? Yeah, I guess um, it was well, twenty twenty. Yeah. this, this mm-hmm. card is a year old. Yeah, and it's already, <laughs> it's already been, been downshifted. You know what That's that? Crazy. You know what that tells me? Hmm. It Should have been a common last year,
1: right? Right. I think we've said that about three or four of them already. Like when this card came out, it should have been a common.
2: Well, to to put you know we we brass knuckles just put uh uh infectious rot or crawling infestation whatever it is uh out of out of its you know uh throne for newest card. your next card came from baldur's gate, yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's, it it was like uncommon there,
1: <laughs> yeah, it was a uncommon in baldur's gate it uh. Got? Uh, I got Campfire. It's a single generic mana for uh, an artifact. You can spend one, tap it to gain two life, which is repeatable. You don't have to sacrifice it. It's not a food token anything like that. Yep. Um, or you could spend two and tap it to exile Campfire. Put all commanders you own from the command zone and from your graveyard into your hand. And then you shuffle your graveyard into your library. I've never so... played with this card. Obviously, it's only been out like two weeks since command since Baldur's Gate and it was an uncommon there, so I yeah. haven't played with it hardly at all, but it's... See, like This is extremely unique effect at common, but I'm not really sure how good it is. Maybe you can enlighten me.
2: Please. Well, So, putting commanders you own from the command zone into your hand is a command beacon effect. Okay. So, command beacon was, is a rare land that taps for a colorless and you can tap and sacrifice the command beacon to put your to put your commander into your hand from the command zone. If you have so with command beacon, if you have two commanders, you do not get both; you get one.
1: Right. So, now, so, so command beacon as a as a EDH commander PDH player, why do you want to do that? Why do you want to put a commander into your hand?
2: You have a commander that just costs a lot of mana, like so, too much
1: tax. Huge uh, too, mana cost, either too sort of of attacks,
2: thing. or your commander like starts at 7. Like, in commander, you know, your commander starts if your commander starts at 7 or 8 mana, like you can cast it twice before it's unreasonable to cast again. So you want a card like Command Beacon to put in the deck that, you know, is usually just a land mm-hmm. but you might on occasion be able to put your commander back into your hand to get like a 4 mana discount. Campfire does that sure. same thing for PDH. Yep. Um, now, I don't think that's as big of an issue in PDH because our commandos tend to end at five or six mana anything past that tends to have cost reduction built in yep so you know it's not a huge problem for our format but i like that it has something passive that it's doing instead just like command beacon right like command beacon isn't uh i'm going to need this every game but it is a nice thing to have in the deck for when it does happen otherwise it just generates you colorless mana sure campfire gives you the opportunity to be gaining life while you wait for the effect to be relevant if at all yeah but not only does it put commanders into your command zone it sh- can pull them from the graveyard in yeah, case you that's were trying very to, intriguing in case you were trying to pull off some shenanigans that got countered or, or stopped
1: mm-hmm.
2: or it's also just a graveyard shuffle effect yep like this card is so versatile
1: it really is for how like innocuous it appears there's a lot going on here
2: and for the fact that you know if you're a deck that if you're a deck that holds up mana all the time for interaction like honestly the 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 effect to just passively gain life right before mm-hmm. your turn is is great especially because yeah, it's two like that
1: adds up honestly.
2: yeah because the the decks that are holding up mana, they're going to be your blue black decks they're gonna be your 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 control decks your combo decks You know, being able to save your combo pieces from a graveyard exile effect. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, you might have to start all over and try to draw them again or or tutor for them again. But, you know, all the tutors and card draw effects that you used to get to them the first time just got put back in the deck. Right. Like, it's, it's, I, I think this is a really good card that is going to be slept on for a while. I think
1: it will too. And then it's going to kind of be almost everywhere. Yeah. It's just generically good enough, yeah. I think it's going to compete with a lot of, like, uh, cheaper mana rocks, but this will still show up quite often. Yeah. Especially, you know, if we keep getting sweet uncommon creatures, or rare creatures down shifted to uncommon that are expensive,
0: that Mm -hmm. could be a
1: thing. That's pretty much all we had, I think. Did you have another one in... uh...
2: Uh, Yes, I did. I I had one more colorless. Uh, Volshock Battlegear. So... This is a 3-mana equipment. <laughs> Back on my equipment shit. <laughs> um, it uh, equips for 3-mana, and the equipped creature gets plus 3, plus 3. Yep. This is a card that will be going in several of my Voltron-ish decks, just because the rate of plus 3, plus 3 is so good. There is a string of artifacts that are 1-mana, equipped for 1, give plus 1, plus 1. There's like 4 or 5 of them. There is, I know of at least 1, I'm unsure, there might be a second one, of a- uh equipment that are two mana, equipped for two, give plus two full plus two.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: shock Battle Gear is a card that I is kind of been like on my secret wish list. Like, yeah, you know, would it be great if this got downshifted to common with all those other one for one for one rates? Yes. Do I expect it to? Not really. Right. Apparently it got downshifted.
1: <laughs> Apparently they listened. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, there's there's no real reason for me to have wanted this card. It's it's not particularly, you know, amazing. Like all the all the equipments that are one for one for one are good because they're so cheap. Yes. Three for three for three while on rate is not cheap.
1: That's a little, a little taxing, yeah. You
2: know. So, you know, my, my Raptor Hatchling deck, which relies on the one for one for one cards mm-hmm. or the equipment that give huge buffs to the toughness, th- that deck will not want this. This is not a good card in that deck. Sure. But like my Yogle deck, which is always looking for more beat down equipment, like this is going to be insane.
1: Yeah, if you've and, got
2: the time to like build up the, the mana. Well, you know, if doesn't yeah. build up to the mana. Yargle runs all the rituals. Like, ah, like there you go. <laughs> Yargle is used to spending 18 mana in one turn. So this is nothing. <laughs> um, like, th- this will fit right in, no questions asked. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to put this in there, and I'm excited to to try it out a couple other places.
1: You know, and we've got I don't know if it's good enough to make the cut because I haven't really played them too much, but we've got like art decks and other like equipment centric yes, commanders. Decks. Yeah, the the free equip decks. We've got some creatures that come in that when they ETB, you can attach an equipment. Yada yada yada. So we'll see if this makes the cut. But plus three plus three. I mean, that's that's huge. that's, yeah. that's, that's in a big in our boost. format
2: where I I just said that like you know for toughness is kind of where it caps out like plus three plus three is not nothing that is it, not it, nothing it at turns all. your mana into a creature that can compete that's something
0: yeah
1: now I did before we leave the artifacts this wasn't on my list but it's sort of been intriguing me and it's it's one that again I've never played with what do you think about fire mind vessel in, in <laughs> general about this. what do you think about it in general and then what do you think about it in in PDH or popper even
2: I think, in general, it is a fine card. Uh, it sees mediocre play in EDH. It's, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in PDH, it's the fourth best 4-mana rock that we have. Uh, and there aren't a lot of decks that are looking to play 4 of those. Right, um, exactly. The decks that I have that are looking to play 4-mana rocks doesn't really want to be playing more than 2 of the 3 that we already have. Yeah. The the three that we have, the best one, is Everflowing Chalice. Everflowing Chalice being the the zero mana rock that has multi-kicker for two, that when it comes into play, gets a counter for every time it was kicked, and it taps for a colorless for each counter. So yeah. that's you know a two mana rock, a four mana rock, a six mana rock, whatever. But it comes in untapped, and it generates colorless mana. Then you have Sese's Ring and uh, Urgolem's Eye. Yep. Both of those are just four mana, come into play untapped, generate two colorless. Mm -hmm. The thing with the decks that want the four mana rocks, they tend to be one or two color pip, not pip heavy decks that the colorless mana is fine because they are using all of that mana to do something stupid like equipping a Volshock battle. (laughs) They're doing something (laughs) with colorless mana. They'll find playing the four mana rocks because they know they generate colorless mana, and the f- they need them to come in untapped. You can't just play a four mana rock that comes into play tapped. I, right. Firemind Vessel that coming into play tapped really hurts. Yeah, it super hurts a lot, yeah. and I I understand why it does because it generates two mana of different colors. Like
1: yeah, that would be a little it's, it's uh, a little too powerful.
2: Generating two colored mana, I get it, but I just that coming into play tapped really hurts, and I. I don't think in our format it has, it has a home because, you know, the, the decks that are running the four-mana rocks want the mana immediately. Oh, for sure, yeah. And they also don't care that the mana is colorless. Yeah, so, you want
1: that mana immediately because it, e- even if you're casting a Sissé's Ring, it doesn't always feel good to pay four mana for a rock. So getting that two colorless mana back right away takes some of that sting out of it.
2: Exactly. And, you know, there are certainly decks that might want the Fireminds Vessel. I don't know that I'm playing any of them.
1: Yeah, I don't either. I mean, just kind of mentally going through the decks that I have built, uh, maybe like Sphinx of the Guild Pack, like a five-color deck or something that is very pip-intensive. C- I could see a five-color
2: deck one in this. Yeah,
1: but that's that's about as far as it goes from from my decks anyway. Yeah. And it doesn't. It's so expensive that it doesn't even jive well with like artifact synergies. Like, no, four mana is just wanna, too much. Yeah, four mana is too much for a tap rock in most places.
2: Like I see, I I, I'm, I was about to say if this was three mana, it'd probably be fine. But if this was three mana, it'd still be uncommon.
1: Yes. <laughs>
2: so yeah. I, it's a card that I think people will play, but just because it's the one they have. Out of all the four mana rocks, you know, it's the one yeah. they opened in the box. They got five or six copies of it. It's the one they have, or right. they have some for War of the Spark and they're happy to be playing them. Sure. Um, That's right. You know, if if it's not cards I own, it's it's not seeing a lot of play.
1: Yeah. Yep. You can do better. All right. Uh, Bob made our way through the comments. I think you had one more you wanted to touch on, right? I got one more.
2: Uh, Opal Palace. Not a new card, but uh, got new artwork. Uh, I was kind of saying in the pre-show a little bit, uh, discussing the artwork of of the old Opal Palace. Uh, I'm not going to go into too much detail. I don't hate the old artwork. I I actually really like the old artwork. I just, I always envisioned something a little bit different. And this new artwork is closer to that vision. And so I will probably be replacing all of my Opal Palaces with the new one. Sure, that's fair. Because it's going to be a 10 cent card in my LGS and I can. Um, Yeah, Exactly. So yeah, that, that's, that's all I have to say about it. Got new artwork. It's got really cool artwork. I recommend taking a look at it.
1: I did not re- realize or even notice that they reprinted uh, Sky skyshroud claim.
2: So that's nice. Yeah. Everyone, uh, everyone Sky getting up got, there. got new artwork yeah. as well in this set. Pretty cool. Uh,
1: but yeah, some of the alt arts are just, just awesome. Like all the glitters looks great. Generous gift. There's a, there's another new counter spell. Yeah. Uh, new frantic <laughs> search looks good. How many of those are they going to give us? <laughs> I know. Right. Um, I don't Nadier's know why they. Nightblade looks awesome. I don't know the, why uh, they keep art. printing
2: all these alternate artworks for Frantic Search. Like they gave it a secret layer. You know, I was and wondering they that gave too when I first kind of, saw this one. Yeah, they gave it some kind of Japanese media insert, which that's not a new artwork. That's the original artwork, but like it's this. It's between the two default artworks. It's it's the subpar one, and they gave us this borderless one from Neon Dynasty, which it's okay, but like. You know the the one that they've got going is already the best one.
1: Yeah, and it's I don't I mean is frantic search a card that like people are just craving for new art
2: on it or something? Because it I does don't. seem
1: like frantic search has had a lot of different artworks put on it. <laughs>
2: yeah, it, it well I mean the the secret layer one kind of makes sense because frantic search for fable Fib.
0: Like yeah, yeah, it, yeah it
2: came from the fable Fib secret layer ha 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 whatever right but like did it did it need another borderless artwork? Is this a card that people were really asking for to, yeah like i like the card for my reasons but like <laughs> is is this a card that people re- like really like to play really? right
1: uh before we get to the commanders is there um any other alt arts how do you feel about the profile cards i know there's I don't like don't a like and <sighs> I'm with you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm with you. I thought I was on an on an island for, for a little bit there. No, but...
2: I know there are people that like them. I don't like them.
1: Yeah, people are going crazy for them, and I'm just not a fan. Like, the Tatiova one looks decent, um, but the rest, like, the, the, the Shirei, like, I would love to see the character that's on this Shirei profile art as, like, a full art, like, face-on, like, art, because it looks badass. I just don't yeah. like the profile uh, yeah, approach. I,
2: out of all of the... Um... Profiles, like just just looking at the the profiles only, the slime foot really sticks out to me.
1: Yeah, slime foot's really cool. Mm -hmm. The
2: slime foot looks really good. Other than that, I think all of them are awful.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I am not a fan.
2: There isn't another one that looks good in my. Oh, okay, hold on. The omnath looks pretty good, and the maelstrom wanderer. Okay, the elementals. The elementals look good. (laughs) Everything else sucks.
1: But I just don't. I, I don't get them, so yeah. But some people love them, and that's
2: that's great. That's all that matters. So,
1: so yeah, we got some sweet alt arts, and we'll be trying to pick those up pretty soon too. But I think we can move on to the uh, sweet down shifts to uncommon that are going to be in our command zone. What do you think?
2: Do you want to do you want to do the word from our sponsor now or later?
1: Oh yeah, I forgot. We're almost done with our set review, but would you have a listener question this week? But first. A word from our
3: sponsor. All right, square up, nerds. Take a seat. This is Alcadron, your uh, friendly neighborhood co-host from the East Coast. On a pre-recorded line, I got bidness. I don't know what these other two guys have been telling you about Commander Masters downshifts, and I don't know what you think your favorite card from this set is, but I'm here to tell you that Unless it's a zombie turtle, you're all wrong. All of you are wrong. I am here today to deliver unto you the message of Gorks the Tomb Shell. Gorks the Tomb Shell is an 8 mana 4-4 four, four with death touch. But the 8 mana is a lie. It doesn't actually ever cost you 8 mana. It only ever costs you black black. You can reduce its casting cost by 2 generic, by exiling creatures from your graveyard. If you exile 3 creatures from your graveyard, first time you cast him, he's just black-black. If he goes back to your command zone, next time you cast him, ostensibly he costs 10. That doesn't actually mean 10 mana. That means 2 black mana and you exile 4 creatures from your graveyard. How are you going to get all these cards into your graveyard? Uh, you're going to cycle. You're going to mill yourself, and cycle creatures into your graveyard. What is the benefit of cycling cards into your graveyard if you're just going to exile them? This is the coolest thing about Gorks. Gorks has an ability. When it attacks or dies, you get to choose one of the creatures that you exiled when you cast him. You choose one of them at random and put it into your hand. This lets you cycle everything Attack a couple times with a really cool turtle, put all of that stuff back in your hand, and then cycle it again. This is a recycling champion. I've been playtesting this deck for days. It has uh, something like 17 cycling creatures in it. It is way too much fun. It is hilarious to playtest. I love it. It's basically the coolest thing that's happened to PDH in this set, I think. More fun than Gonti. More fun than Ariel. More fun than whatever the green nonsense guy is that morphs your guys into forests. This is the coolest card. Gorks. This message has been brought to you by Gorks. Try Gorks.
1: And we're back. Thank you for that. We'll, uh, we'll have to see if they keep sponsoring the show after after yeah. this week.
2: Yeah, so uh, going on about our commanders, uh, I have a much shorter list than you did. Than you I did. know, I just couldn't so, stop typing. Do you, uh, I, I saw. <laughs> so, do you want to like, go back and forth? Or do you like? I can fly through my list in like five seconds. So you just want me to do that and we can talk about yours?
1: Yeah, let's do that.
2: Alright, so the downshifts that I'm really excited for are uh, uh Gorklaw, Sorak, and Tygum. So if any of our astute listeners out there can identify the theme between those four downshifts, uh, it's not that they're all legendary creatures. Uh, they are all from <laughs> Turkia. So Turkia is like by far and large my favorite plane. In Commander, like EDH, I have other decks that I've built, but my longest standing decks that have withstood the test of time are all of my Tokyo decks. Okay, Whenever sure. there's a new Tarkir-themed commander that comes out, because, you know, commanders products have commanders from all over, I tend to build the Tarkir ones. And that's kind of carried over into PBH recently. Like, I I kind of got through my list of things I wanted to build, and mm-hmm. I was like, what should I build next? And then it dawned on me that there are uncommon creatures <laughs> that aren't necessarily legendary that yeah. have Tarkir themes to them. So some of the more recent decks I've been building... Like Frenzied Saddle Brute and Falconer Adept and uh, Humble Defector, like the all Tokyo cards. So I've been kind of going through those, and just in time for me to be doing that, they downshift four commanders. <laughs> um, so my Gorklaw deck is going to be shifted from an EDH deck into a PDH deck, which is just fine because in Mush the Machine, the main set or the Aftermath set, they printed a Gorklaw and Surak team up card. So that'll be fine. That, like, that deck will just get that new commander, and I can make a Goreclaw PDH deck. Uh, like, and Tigum, they just
1: they just printed Goreclaw as the Multiverse Legends rare.
0: Yes, <laughs>
2: that's uh, and, awesome. And Anofenza, Anofenza was also the, the mono white one was just a, a Multiverse Legends rare. That's hilarious. Um, Tygum has a white blue card that came in the five color twenty seventeen EDH deck, and a blue black card that came in the three color Wizards twenty seventeen EDH deck. And uh, the blue black one got a downshift. Taigum is like secretly one of my favorite like magic characters because he's a little he's, he's got an interesting story that shifts with the, the fate reforging of Turkey, the timeline changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in addition, he also is like a bit of a secret lore character. Like you wouldn't like he he showed up on two cards, uh, one blue card in Cons of Turkey and one blue card in Dragons of Turkey. Unless, like, you realized that was a named character, you wouldn't have realized it. and oh, so sure, like, um, sure. Unless you read the story, you wouldn't have realized that was a named character. And so Tigum is, like, one of my, like, secret favorite commandos. And I'm a little sad to see that my, my Tigum uh, Rule Zero partner deck, which was Esper, is going to be broken up. <laughs> but it's fun, because I get to rebuild that as just an Azorius deck and downshift the Demir half into PDH. So... I'm I'm excited to kind of be rebrewing with some of my favorite Commandos again. Nice. But
1: yeah, that's, that's all I have. I li- that's all. That's I, what have. I like about these these reprint sets is a lot of times you know it's it's awesome that wow, they they downshifted this powerful card to common or uncommon or what have you, but a lot of it too is just like like you were just most of what you just talked about was your love for Tarkir. Yeah. Like, and now you get to play with Tarkir themes themed creatures in your your favorite format, like to me that's that's really that's the cool stuff about sets like this.
0: Uh
1: yeah, I guess if we're switching order to me, we can just kind of go through these uh start kind of in the same Wooburg order as we did the Commons, but the first one that I'm really sort of interested in and a lot of these like I I'll admit now that there's going to be a lot of commanders that we don't talk about in this episode that are probably significantly more powerful than the ones I pick. It's just I sort of picked ones that I find are going to be very interesting. Uh like Infinza Really good commander. Everyone knows about it. Everyone's probably played with it a million times before. Like, I don't need to put that on my list. Like, I just know it's good. I don't particularly have an interest to brew a deck for Anafinza. But as soon as, like, Brownie comes out with a list, I'll probably just build it. You know what I mean? So, (laughs) um
2: Brownie already has that one list he's put out, but he's like, oh, yeah, I'm building a more competitive one later. I'm like, I'm going to build that
1: one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm going
2: I'm to build the one that does something. But when you make that list, just send it my way. I'll order it, too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. I love you, Brownie. Um, so we're just going to kind of go over some commanders that I think are going to be fun to build with and just sort of, like, lead to interesting deck building uh, options. First up is low shield clockwork scholar uh it's 2-4 elephant artificer prevent all combat damage that would be dealt to attacking artifact creatures you control uh when an artifact etbs uh, you draw a card it triggers only once whatever um, i like it because it's mono white and i like it because um, i've sort of been in a at least on the brewing side not so much on the playing side but on the brewing side i've been very much in a um like an affinity mindset so the idea of like a mono white leaning towards affinity build like that really or at least artifacts matter that really intrigues me so um i think something can be done with this one i don't know if it'll ever, ever be competitive necessarily uh, unless you rig up some shenanigans you know uh astronauts alter Mere retriever that sort of thing but uh even then it only triggers once each turn so yeah um, the, i guess
2: the the e d h community has been trying to break shield for you know two years since it's been out and i don't think it's going to happen pdh it'll be an interesting build but i don't think it'll it'll be terribly broken
1: Exactly. And it's artifact creatures that trigger it. So, I mean, I I guess if you're willing to work for it, you can, you know, cloud shift your beer enforcer on your opponent's turn and draw draw a card, but, like, that's a lot of work.
2: It's like, you (laughs) go for it, buddy. (laughs) Yeah,
1: have at it. And while you're at it, I'll be attacking you, so. Yeah. Uh, Next up is Padim, Council of Innovation. It's three and a blue for a 1-4, Vidalkin Artificer. Uh, Again, an artifact theme here. Artifacts you control have X-proof at the beginning of your upkeep. If you control an artifact with the highest mana value or tide, you draw a card. Still, it's pretty much one card per turn. And and actually, this only triggers on your turns, not each turn. But it just fits into that sort of like affinity slash artifacts matter realm that I've been exploring lately. So I think it'll be fun. Again, this is probably one that doesn't see competitive tables and... Even if I build it, I'll probably play it two or three times and be like, oh, that's what it does. Okay, I'll use these cards in a different deck. Like, I'm done with this. So it'll probably just, like, satisfy an urge that I need to build it, and then I'll be done with it. What do you think of Padim?
2: Uh, Padim is a very solid EDH deck. Uh, It does Mm -hmm. not take a lot of setup to really get going because not a lot of people are focused on having the highest mana value artifact. Um, I'll tell you, this is probably a deck that Firemind Vessel could go in. Um, See, there
1: you go because, four mana. Yep, Pays because it's
2: four mana. Like not a lot of people are playing artifacts greater than four mana, unless it's like a creature. Yeah. So you know this deck is is in EDH it's aiming to have an artifact of like seven to eight mana. PDH you can probably get away with five to six, which is yep. going to be some of your larger creatures. But even still, at in early stages of the game, a four mana rock will get you there. So yeah. and this is a pretty solid deck.
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's cool. Um, yeah. The next one here, we're going to stay in blue, and I know we both were pretty interested in this one. It's Portal Mage, 2 in a blue, 2-2, two, two, Flash, 1 ETBs, you can switch up an attacker, an attacking creature. I like it. I don't know. I've never played with it in EDH or played against it or anything like that, so I don't know how it plays out well. I can see areas where, or situations where you're going to get in, get in trouble. Playing this card, like you're going to flash it in and they're going to be like, that's fine. I still have six more creatures coming at you. So that may be a problem. But um, I like, I know we talked in the pre show about, you know, what if you built a mono blue initiative deck or mono blue monarch deck, that sort of thing. Like this seems really good at helping you hold on to that initiative or that monarchy or both.
2: Yeah. No, I, I agree there. I think in particular in EDH, this card is very slept on. Uh, I'm ecstatic to see it in a draft format so that EDH players get to experience it. Uh, because in, in EDH, you don't have the board stalls that you have in PDH. Everyone yeah. has wonderful creatures. They'll swing at you with the biggest one. You get to portal mage it, fog their combat, move on. Yeah. PDH, because everyone has four to five to six creatures and there's board stalls, I don't see it being that impactful. But... I, I'm just in general. I'm glad to see it in this format for people to draft and, and play with.
1: Yeah, and that could be kind of what my uh, infatuation with it is too. Like we just have this unique effect at common or at, at uncommon in the command zone that we yeah. just haven't really had before.
2: It is a very unique effect. Yeah,
1: it really is. Uh, should be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, and I guess you know, being in blue, there's flicker shenanigans. I guess you could fog like someone for multiple turns in a row, but it takes a lot of work. All right, we're going to stay in blue for the last one here on my list, and that is Thrix, uh, the Sudden Storm. It's five mana, four, five. It, literally, this is on my list because it, well, I mean, it's an elemental giant, it's huge, it's awesome looking. Um, but because I've been playing Thunderous Snapper so much lately that just the idea of casting big, gigantic spells has really been, like, hella fun. So I've been sort of brewing in that space a lot. And this helps you do the same thing, spells you cast with mana value 5 or greater cost 1 less to cast and cannot be countered like that to me says let's do more affinity stuff let's do gear seeker serpent let's do cryptic serpent let's do all this crazy fun stuff and guess what you can't do anything about them so they're coming at
2: you, like,
1: <laughs> so you I like the use, idea
2: of you it you're going to use Thrix as your uh, giant sea monsters deck
1: <sighs> oh my god I have to do it now yes Thrix the serpent leader god that sounds amazing all right all right, I'm already. I, I gotta close out the show. I gotta go build that deck. Uh, <laughs> let see, what's next? Got um, like and a
2: couple... Seven more commanders to go through. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh,
1: the next one is one that I've never, I'm not super familiar with. I saw a few people talking about it on Twitter um, when it was downshifted. And I feel like there's a lot of rules text on it, but I feel like it's not gonna play out as well as it, as it reads. And that's Gonti, Lord of Luxury. I'm sure everybody's familiar with Gonti. Um, what's your experience with Gaunti? How do you think it's going to play out in PDH? I honestly don't know how to evaluate this one.
2: Gaunti was a very popular commander before the pandemic. When everyone was playing online, Ganti kind of got a bad rap with the all the steel effects commandos that couldn't be played online or, or were insufferable to play against online because you had to do things so differently.
1: Yeah, and by online you mean like webcam, not like Spell MTGO. Webcam, yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: I think that. In EDH, it's a very interesting build, but it does have a lot of pieces. It is a win-con if you get it to go infinite ETB. I don't know that that can be set up in PDH, and if it can, it has a lot of moving pieces and will be very interactable. So I'm not super big on it in PDH. Yeah. Uh,
1: Once again, it's a a new type of effect that we haven't really had before in the format, so it should be interesting to see where the more... um competitive players take it, if anywhere. It may not even work out I don't, on, I don't think on their end of the spectrum in either. So
2: yeah, no, in, Even an EDH, Gonti isn't a very competitive deck. It It is towards the higher end of casual. It, it does get a bit of a bad rap because it steals your stuff, mm-hmm. but it's by no means a competitive commander. I don't okay. think it'll see competitive PDH play.
1: Okay, so it feels like a, a niche role of people that just want to do that specific thing but not be like super competitive about it yeah uh next up i have a dragon on the list i don't have a lot of dragons in my command zones but i will definitely be building this one it's skyline despot a uh, seven mana dragon for a five five when it etbs you become the monarch and at the beginning of your upkeep if you are the monarch create a five five red dragon creature token with flying like that that just every word of that sounds like a blast and i want to play it right now I I don't usually, usually my big, my decks that care about gigantic creatures are multiple colors, whether they're Gruul or Jund or what have you, but just giant mono red beaters sounds, sounds like five, a lot of fun to me. 5-5, five,
2: five, uh, getting a 5-5 five, five flyer for keeping the thing that draws you the card is insane. Right? Like, it just seems now, real good, real fun. The only, the only thing that has me kind of low on this card is it is 7 mana.
1: It is seven mana. You're gonna need those, uh, those four mana maneras. artifacts, and yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm I'm super looking forward to building it. it. Should be fun. I I just like the idea of getting free dragons and being the monarch. Like, cool. I'm I'm with that. This would
2: be a deck that you put Campfire into.
1: Ah, there you go. So you don't have to pay eleven or thirteen or fifteen yeah. <laughs> for for the Despot. Yeah. That makes sense. Cool. Uh, what's next here? Staying in red for the last one. Here is, or the last one in red is Sabira... Do you want... Was it T- to Talzid. Talzidi? Caravanner. Legendary creature. It's a 2-3 uh, with haste. I, I love this rules text box quite a bit. Uh, one generic. You can activate it as many times as you want. Another target creature with power. Two or less can't be blocked this turn. It doesn't say target creature you control. Could be any target creature on the board. Yep. And then for one in a red, you can tap it, discard your hand... Until the end of turn, whenever a creature you control with power two or less deals combat damage to a player, you draw a card. So, I love this for the same reason that, like, I talked about loving Woodvine. It's really strong at first because you have the potential to just draw three every turn. But as the game goes later and later and later, you know, you're drawing, like, one you may have to discard two to draw one. Like, there's a lot of a lot of risk that goes into the later games with this commander, but it is certainly, like, straight-up aggression out of the command zone as soon as you want to start beating face with it. What do you think about the Caravaner?
2: She's an interesting EDH commander when I see her. Like you said, that first ability being any, any target creature is more relevant than you might think.
1: Yes, it, it does is, come up quite
2: often. It, it does come up quite often. The last ability will trigger more than you think. Yep. Because mono red, you will be hellbent a lot. A um, lot. Discarding your hand is often just discarding nothing. Um, <laughs> Seems good. <laughs> and, and, I mean, I know you said that, like, you get to the later game and, you know, you, you draw one or two cards. That's, that's not really my experience with the deck. As long as there's no board wipes, which in this format, you're playing them because you're red. Um, oh,
1: you know what? I totally
2: read it wrong. Yeah, you, you will discard zero, draw four, draw five.
1: I read it as what I'm so used to us getting is whenever one or more creatures you control deals combat damage, you draw a card.
2: Yep. Nope, this it is. is
1: draw a card for each creature that deals the damage. Yeah. Wow, Okay. Yep. All this, right. is and, and yes, know, this is a strong commander, and yes, this is very strong.
2: Derek is super excited about this. I'm super excited to see where he takes us. Yeah, I am too. And it's not something you know if
1: you want to if you end up casting it or if it's on the board later in the game and you have a bunch of mana, like make a bunch of creatures unblockable and just then screw tap. with someone's combat. Yeah, yeah, just totally screw with somebody's combat. It's awesome. There's so many possibilities here. Like you could kill player two by banking player one's creatures unblockable and they saw it like it came out of nowhere yeah ah, so fun so yeah that one should be very interesting oh uh, let's move into green here this is one that i saw a lot of i'm not really super stoked for but i saw a lot of people talking about it and that's rishkar uh pima renegade it cares about plus one plus one counters and each creature you control with a counter on it uh turns into a mana dork it taps for a green what do you think about rishkar
2: Uh, Rishkar is one of those cards that is really good in the 99. That's what I'm thinking. It's okay as a leader. Like, it's it's okay. Even if you're building around it, it's okay as the commander. Really, really good in the 99. I think in PDH, it has potential to be a really good commander. That's kind of it. Yeah,
1: Yeah, (laughs) I I think so. I mean, I think we're going to have to see where it sort of lands in the format, but Yeah, Um, I I wonder, too, you know, when we get downshifts and stuff like this, I wonder if it's either like the shock of the downshift as a whole or if it's like some people just remember a specific card being really good in EDH and they transfer that excitement to PDH where it's just not necessarily the same thing.
2: Yeah, I I think that's probably it, because I I mean, when I saw this, I was like, oh, my God. Um, And now I'm just kind of looking I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking about having it in the command zone i'm like it's not always been amazing yeah. uh <laughs> the notable thing about Rishkar is that it comes down and puts plus one plus one counters on things sure but its second ability about each creature getting tap add green only cares about any counter yes so you can manipulate things like shield counters or keyword yep. counters and, Keyword counters for sure and still turn things into dorks
1: yeah, and that seems fun. Like, I'm sure people will find something to do with it, but I'm not super, like, excited for it. Oh, yeah. Uh, the same thing, I could almost say the same thing for, and uh, I might get crucified for this one, but for Grave Gravegardener, <laughs> it's, I, I, I understand the power behind it. I understand that there's a lot of stuff that you can do with it. That we have a lot of synergies. Uh, with morph cards or whatever, or like Quirion Ranger, where you can return a forest. Oh, look, I just returned this creature to my hand, and I'm going to recast it. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff you can do, landfall shenanigans, all that sort of stuff. I just feel like there's a lot of work that's going to have to go into a Yodora deck to make it as good as everyone is claiming it's going to be.
2: I mean... I, I know where people are coming from because it is, a, it is a very popular and strong EDH commander right now. Yeah. When it first came out, I mean, a year and a half ago in Strixhaven, Yeah. <laughs> uh, everyone was kind of excited about doing the morph thing. The problem with doing the morph thing in EDH is all of the cards are kind of unimpactful in EDH because they're all commons and uncommons. In our format, where we are all commons, they're not as unimpactful. I mean, they still do kind of, you know, suboptimal things or, or very underwhelming things, mm-hmm. but they are, you know, on power level for the format. So doing a Yodora Morph deck, really good in PDH, really, really bad in EDH. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what people take it. Yeah, for sure. I do know that a lot of the rep it gets from EDH also comes from the things that interact with the forest lands
1: like exactly like exactly. a Shire. exactly
2: oh, we don't have those cards so right right i i think that people are definitely kind of uh projecting their their edh knowledge onto this card whereas a Yodora edh and a Yodora pdh deck are two very very different oh, decks
1: vastly different yeah yeah Yodora is not the only uh, uncommon creature we got in commander masters that feels like it's missing, like, a partner, or it's missing one more line of rules text to really make it, like, something good yeah. in, in in our specific format. So. But cool. So I wasn't super off-base, and it's good. I, I'm willing to be proven wrong. Like, I want to see... It intrigues me enough that I want to see the good decks that people make. I know Derek's real big on this deck, so I want to see what people actually make of it. I just know I'm not, like, rushing out to um, build a Yodora deck right away.
2: Yeah. Uh, same. Same. I'm excited to see what people do with it. I just won't be
1: doing it. Yeah, and I may like playtest it on Moxfield, but I doubt I'd even put it together in paper. But we'll see. I don't want to say never, but you never know. All right, one of the last ones here. I was really excited for. I I think I mentioned this earlier about uh, a common or something. Um, I'm not necessarily like also with this one. I'm not rushing out to build it, but we got Judith the Scourge Diva downshifted to uncommon, and I'm just like super happy that Judith is now an uncommon creature. Like I remember Ravnica allegiance and listening to podcasts podcast and listening to so like the standard players and stuff, you know, the arena players or whatever, um, tournaments and stuff when there were still paper tournaments and Judith was just doing work, like just wrecking faces. And I would look at it and be like, Oh, it's a rare, but it's really cool. Like, what can I do with it? I don't want to play like EDH <laughs> yet or anything, you know, blah, 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 blah. I just thought it was a really, really cool creature. Um, but now we have it at Uncommon, so I'm definitely going to have it. I think I was telling Alcadron the other day in our Discord, like, I'm su- I've am even surprised myself that I don't really have a Rectos Sacrifice deck. I don't yeah. have Mayhem Devil. I used to play uh, Rectos Sacrifice or Rectos Aristocrats and 60-card pauper like, all the time. But I don't have a really a single one in PDH, so Judith is probably going to be the one I build for that. Because it's just cool. The art's awesome. The uh, the creature itself's awesome, and I'm I'm pretty stoked for it. Yeah. We think about Judith.
2: Judith kind of falls into a category of cards, and i I've been I've been saving this this kind of statement for, for this set review. <laughs> I haven't I haven't said it on Patreon, not Patreon on on Discord or Twitter yet because I've been reserving it. Uh-huh. Judith, and Akiri, and Ariel and and even Tygum and Melik all all fall into this category of cards that a lot of the downshifts fall into where, you know, regardless if they were printed before fire design or or after fire design started, you know, fire design being impactful on on what a card does. Yeah. A lot of these downshifts are the uncommon. When, When you really take a step back and look at them, feel really powerful for an uncommon in the context that we know them Yes. But they feel very underwhelming as a rare in the context that we know them. Yeah. So, what that means is a lot of these commanders, despite being popular EDH commanders, you know, they just got down to PDH. PDH is a different format. These commanders are going to have to be resolved, they're going to have to be reworked because they just, there are certain cards they interact with really, really well in EDH that we just don't have. They're gonna mm-hmm. have to be reworked, resolved, and so even in even in PDH, once they get reworked, resolved, they still might be, you know, some 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 of the most powerful commanders that we have. But that's kind of at the the casual slash optimized level. I I don't think yeah. a lot of these are gonna be breaking the competitive meta. One or two might sneak through, but yeah. I I don't see a lot of them kind of kind of breaking it in half. But just that that general feeling of you know in in the context of EDH that we know them in in their respective drafting environments that we know them they kind of feel like really broken uncommons
0: <laughs> but yeah.
2: kind of like generically okay rares and sure. you know translating that into into a pdh downshift the initial reaction is oh my gosh what just happened these are amazing cards and uh-huh. then you start brewing and you're just like, well, I'm missing, you know, XYZ card. <laughs> I can replace them with A, B, C, but it's just not the same. Yeah. And so it, I think now that we've had the time to sit down and digest and understand these downshifts and the exact impact they're going to have, you know, I've seen the discussions that people are having of like, yeah, you know, in, in EDH, I have this, this, and this. In PDH, I have to do this, this, and this. You know, it feels like a different deck. They're going to be different decks. Yeah. And Judith is in that category that some of the others you're about to talk about are also in. And, you know, I I just I'm I'm intrigued to see where this goes.
0: Yeah,
1: I am, too. And it's not like um, some of these commanders like you were just talking about. It's not like they're novel. You know, like we have Mayhem Devil. We have sort of this effect in Rakdos already at Uncommon. It's just really cool to me that we got Judith, like specifically Judith to the format. And you're right. Like people know Judith from standard and they know Judith from EDH where she's, you know, a powerhouse and sure powerhouse there, but that doesn't necessarily translate to 99 commons and one uncommon where Judith is the leader of the team. Like it just may not translate that well. So you're going to have to work at it. And that's not saying she's bad, but just like you said, you're going to have to put a little extra work in. You're going to have to answer some questions with judith that maybe you didn't have to answer in edh or you're gonna have to take some paths with your deck building that you weren't used to or that sort of thing and i think a lot of the creatures that we got a lot of the downshifts we got have those same questions yeah so uh but yeah i only have a couple more i think the the very next one is exactly what you were talking about i think um melek is it paragon It's six mana two four Uh, Play with top card of your library revealed. You can cast instants and sorcery from the top of your library whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell. Copy it. Choose new targets. I bet of all the downshifted uncommon creatures that we've gotten from this set, I've seen more deck lists posted about Melek than any other one so far. Uh, And it's all shenanigans. (laughs) It's all Spellslinger or Impact Tremors or... Kingers or what have you, like every flavor of is it you could you could possibly think of has already been uh, posted somewhere, and I've seen it, and it looks it looks hell fun. Like it looks like a super fun is it commander. So what do you think, Liam?
2: Uh, there was a time where I built every single is it deck I could get my hands on. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what sparked this this <laughs> random brewing atro- atrocity. Now that I look back <laughs> on it, um, you know, is it is a fun combination but after i got like eight decks deep and then like like edh decks like eight edh decks deep and they shared like 90 percent of the same cards i was like ah, all right we're gonna be done oh, um, okay we can
1: call it there yeah. yeah
2: we can we can we can call it melek is a fun commando uh melek is one of the the commandos that i had brewed at that time i'm excited to see what people do with it pdh uh, it's not going to be anywhere near as broken as it is in edh but i i imagine it'll it'll pull off some shenanigans. Uh, but yeah, it's just a fun commander that I'm excited to to see it doing things. Yeah,
1: exactly, and it's gonna end up you know similar like just like Judith, it's gonna end up similar to a lot of existing Is it decks we already have, but again, this is an effect that we don't really have yet, so yeah. it's it's nice to look at it in, in sort of in that light, like you're. I would want to brew it because we just don't really have this effect. Um, I wouldn't pick it up. I wouldn't pick up the 6 mana commander and think, ooh, I'm going to do Spellslinger. Like, if that were the case, I would just do TPI or Sprite Dragon or what have you. Um, you're yeah. playing it for that unique novel effect for the format.
2: Exactly. I I will say, the only thing that upsets me about Melek is Melik is the only Ravnican Paragon that we have. For those who don't know what I'm talking about, the flavor of the uh maze the 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 whole thing about the the second ravnica block mm-hmm. uh and and maze's end is each guild had a maze runner and the maze runner was supposed to be the paragon which is kind of like the representative of the guild. Okay. Melik is the only paragon we have from Ravnica. <laughs> we <laughs> we we know some of the other characters some of the other paragons. We have cards for some of the other paragons but like they don't say paragon on them and yeah. it's just like come on like this is a huge flavor of fail like let's let's get the rest of them
1: another cycle left unfinished
2: uh, yeah hugely unfinished
1: yeah uh, all right well while I was running through my list of commanders did anything spark your interest or you want to uh wrap up the new card talk um or what are your uh, what are your overall thoughts about the set like i've already seen it compared to baldur's gate and let's yeah. just start there
2: um i think i i kind of p- pitched this this question to uh Sketchrow on on twitter i asked you know uh, that uh, it, it was in some thread it was either Derek or Scarecrow that said this is the most impactful pdh set uh and i asked the question well, what about baldur's gate and one of them said that baldur's gate i can't remember which way which way around it was but but between Baldur's Gate and Commander Masters, one affected the command zone more, while the other affected the 99 more. Okay. And so this one, the Commander Masters being that fundamentally different from Baldur's Gate means it's going to shake up the format in a different way. Uh, but I'm kind of here for it. Uh yeah, sure. And in addition to that, you know, like, like like I was kind of saying, like a lot of these uh, downshifts, uh, of legends who kind of feel underwhelming as a rare, but but overwhelming as an uncommon. Yeah. And also, with a, a significant density of them being fire design legends, I'm a little concerned what that <laughs> means. <laughs> if, sure. if Wizards of the Coast is, you know, brewing up their own proper EDH, proper commander format that they're going to drop, because there's like like of, of all these new downshift downshifts right 36 yeah. of them are legendary downshifts
1: yeah so that leaves three
2: yeah so so <laughs> of of all the new rarity cards right there were 80
0: mm-hmm.
2: 80 cards got a new rarity and Thirty, sorry, thirty-three of them. So, so some of those must have been reprints. Yeah, like Slimefoot and Tattoo, But we'll we'll reprint that comment. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Thirty-three of the eighty new sh- newly shifted cards are legends. Yeah. And so that just gives me gives me kind of like a a, a, a notice notice of a side eye. Like, okay, wizards, what are you doing? Yeah, like I'm not even <laughs>
1: watching you. What are you up to?
2: What What are you doing? Why Why the thirty-three legend? Now, now, part of that is probably honestly draft format. Like they need Legends at Uncommon to make the draft format work. right? That's true. In, in the draft format, all of these monocolor Legends have partner.
1: And just the monocolored ones, correct?
2: Just the monocolor ones. Okay. So, so I mean, they, they did reprint some uh, Legends, like uh, Keleth and uh, Brenelin are in the set. Uh, they actually have partner, right? But as far as the draft environment is concerned... Every single monocolor legend, regardless if partner is actually printed on the card or not, in limited only, every monocolor legend has partner. Yeah. So, you know, like you were saying, a lot of these feel like they're missing a line of rule text, like they're missing a partner. That's because they are. Like they. <laughs> I this, guess they this, literally this, are, yeah. <laughs> this limited environment was designed to have two of of these in the command zone. Now, were all the combinations tested? Absolutely not. Right, but. No, uh-uh. But, you know, at the same time, it's like these underwhelming things combined with others make them great. So the question becomes, is Wizards kind of scheming and and making, you know, con- full conspiracy theory, are they scheming and making their own proper EDH format? Or is this literally just we needed commanders for our draft format and these are popular <laughs> commanders that people like?
1: Hoping it's the latter. Same. <laughs> <laughs> Big same. Uh, I did skip over one, just Ariel Knight of Wind Grace because Orzov Knights. I know we're uh, Brownie and Alcadron and I were talking about that in the Discord, and it's just sweet. It's going to be a terrible deck, but it seems sweet.
2: Nobody is shocked that you're going after the Orzov.
1: I know, deck. I know. I'm a little transparent, uh, but yeah, that wraps it up. And it, my thoughts on the set, I'm I'm pretty much right there with you. I like it. I think. Uh, I think I was in that thread you're talking about on Twitter, and as far as I'm concerned, like commander legends balder's gate helped the format um it expanded the format and sort of helped it evolve where i think commander masters is going to push the power level of the format up i think they went in two different directions like commander's uh, balder's gate sent the format out and commander Ma- masters is going to send the format up if that makes sense yeah so. but other than that I, it's extremely impactful it's there's a lot of things that are going to change forever now <laughs> so uh, we'll just have to see if it's for the better or the worse but so far so good i haven't seen anybody necessarily break anything or even in their brewing process or testing process like no one's discovered something that's going to completely be miserable so it's just uh some high power downshifts and uh i'm here for it yep all right i think we do have a listener question i promised it earlier you want to get to that real quick and then we'll get on out of
2: here sure uh, so earlier today, I put out the, the call for more listener questions because uh, our our bank is running a little low. And yep. in addition, uh, next week's episode is going to be a PDH, yeah pediatric PDH, <laughs> PDH pod live. Uh, so we'll be advertising that uh, you know every day in in the coming week. But yes. you know you're also listening to us now, saying that. So tune in next Wednesday, um, or this coming Wednesday. You're listening to this on Friday or Saturday, so in a few days, three or four days. There um, we go. we uh, got
0: there.
2: <laughs> yeah, so we need, we need questions, but we put out the call today, and uh, this question actually just kind of stuck out because of the the type of set review this is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, Brody at Cards in Hand Zero on Twitter asked, "Are there any common creatures that we would like to see upshifted to uncommon so that they could lead a Pdh deck?" Uh, for them personally, Goblin and Narcomancer would be their personal pick for a Gruel value pile. Brad and I kind of looked, like I looked at this and was like, yeah, you know, shifting c- shifting cards is no problem. We talk about shifting cards at times time. That's what today's episode is yeah. about. Like, yeah, we'll put this in. And then we, like Brad and I sat down and talked about it during the pre-show and we're like, hold up. We're shifting up. <laughs> this is tricky. because <laughs> like super tricky. What do you shift up to uncommon that doesn't feel just underwhelming?
1: Yeah, or that, you know, I know you and I both had the same problem like oh that one would be cool wait it was an uncommon five years ago yeah it's already been an down uncommon, yeah it's sorry. already already been a d- uncommon so uh, yeah it was super hard to pick I think it's a really cool question uh, Goblin Anarchomancer is a really good pick I, I don't know that I would have come up with that one but I like it it's a good um, good option for yeah. commander I think
2: yeah, honestly I'm shocked it's not uncommon but you know
1: yeah modern horizons I'm it's modern
2: it. horizons fire design dot, 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 right
1: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what'd you come up with, Liam? Who would be your upshift?
2: Uh, it it took a little bit of uh, digging and kind of flipping around, Glaiveon uh, really and whatnot. But I came up with Witty Roastmaster. So uh, for those that don't remember, this came from uh, Streets of New Capenna. Uh, it's two in a red for a three-two devil citizen with alliance. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, Witty Roastmaster deals one damage to each opponent. Uh, this is a great card in the '99. But who doesn't just want to run Impact Tremors in the command zone? sure sign me up yeah like i i'll pay impact <laughs> tremors plus one generic for a three two body sure like yeah that just seems gross just <laughs> playing impact tremors in the command zone with a bunch of token generators like yep uh i i this is this is what i would pick
1: yeah that's a solid one uh i went through and i tried to pick i start, actually we both ended up on the same thing at first unbeknownst to each other but we both started with um what would be our three color options. we went through the commons that have been printed with the three color uh, identity and none of them are good. None of them would make good commanders whatsoever. Um, Kind of like most of our current options. (laughs) Kind of like the options we have now. Yep. 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 So um, one of them I'm decently confident about the other one. I'm sort of iffy about, but the first one I picked was blood researcher from Strixhaven. I've really gravitated towards this card. Uh, I tried to brew around it in 60 card popper, yada, yada, yada. But um, if you don't remember what it is, I'm not going to blame you. It's a generic and a black and a green for a 2-2 vampire druid with menace. And whenever you gain life, you put a counter on it. Plain and simple, straightforward, but it's in the colors that I think can do a lot of damage with that specific text, and it's got menace. So um, not a great option, but I think it would be fun to play this out of the command zone. And then, just like Brody, I picked one from a Modern Horizons set. My second option here is Chrome Career. Uh, generic, a white and a blue for a 1-1 Thopter. Flying. Uh, when an ETBs reveal the top two cards of your library, put one of them into your hand and the other into your graveyard. If you put an artifact into your hand this way, gain three life. Seems fun. Like a decent Azorius Flicker Artifacts affinity type deck. Um, not that we don't already have a ton of those, but... Uh, I always liked this card, it never, I sort of gauged this pick off, every time I've played this card, whether it's been 60 card popper or PDH or what have you, it never felt bad to cast it, so I sort of like translated that to the command zone, like it must not ever feel bad to like bring it in from there and flicker it and do all this crazy stuff, so uh, I think that one might be fun, but there are definitely better options than, than both of my picks, but that's what I would go with.
2: Yeah, those are both solid options. Yeah, I like them.
1: They're fun. Um, Again, though, (laughs) it was pretty slim pickings, I think. Yeah. Yeah, there was not a lot of options. Like, I looked at the mimic cycle, like Night Sky Mimic and all that. Like, super fun if you have four of them in a 60-card deck and your whole deck's black and white or whatever. Um, But out of the command zone, I think they would just be terrible. But there's... um, Until you get a question like this and until you research... Something like this, you don't really realize like how many cycles of commons there are, and yeah. how many su- and how many of those cycles are just kind of would just be terrible as commanders, so oh, wow, we're pushing about two hours. You get anything else for today,
2: liam? uh no, I am good. I am
1: good as well. So uh, we're going to move on into the outro here, if you're still hanging out with us. Uh, There's a few more things before we wrap it up for the week, though. If you need more Popper Commander talk or have any questions about the format, you can always email the show at thepdhpod at gmail.com. You can head on over to the PDH Homebase's website. That'll take you right to their Discord server. Uh, You can find the show on Twitter at the PDH pod. You can find Liam on there as pauper command and I am pauper underscore B. And as always, uh, whenever Dave gets back... You can find him everywhere else PDH is being talked about. And I'll put all the links of everything down into the show notes. So we're going to wrap up episode 59 this week. But we want to give a big thanks to MTG Brad for letting us use their sweet tunes for the show. And from everyone in here to everyone out there, brew a deck, play some PDH, and we'll see you in about a week. Peace. See ya. Cheers. <laughs>
0: I brought, brought the, to the party. at the party